Microphones and headphones provided by Audio-Technica. To learn more, head over to audiotechnica.com. The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Hey, what's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 245, presented by Rageworks. Uh, our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Our call-in number, again, is 347-324-3541. As always, for those of you that haven't been tuning in lately, this is a live broadcast for Wednesday, uh, September 24th, 2014. Uh, My Take Radio is now on a two-day-a-week broadcast schedule with MMA and wrestling on Wednesdays and gaming and entertainment on Thursdays. So, with that said, uh, tonight's episode obviously will air live on GFQ and also on Mixler, mtrlive.com, and all the usual outlets, and then will be really released in podcast format shortly after that. For those of you that are on mtrlive.com now, you'll probably notice that our video feed is down. Uh, there's an issue going on at GFQ HQ with the video feed but we are recording on this end so we will have video for you guys and suncast from gfq also advised that he is recording on his end so there will be video that will be on our youtube channel uh youtube.com forward slash my take radio tv uh, a couple of announcements first before we get into the week's mma and wrestling news uh first up i want to talk about uh i got a monologue for this week about something very interesting and um also two emails uh one from uh, Dave from Denver, who's a longtime listener of the show, and one from Mark as well. So two emails that we're going to get into. One is MMA-related, which is Dave's email. We'll address that shortly. And um, the email from listener Mark, who listens via Mixler, we will address as well. So uh, a couple of things. Uh, the two-week, the twice-a-week broadcast schedule has been a success. The first week was incredibly productive. We were able to broadcast the show's with roughly 90-minute time limits, uh, sometimes slightly over, but not too bad after editing, and we were able to upload and have the shows on the site and on the various outlets within, you know, within a day, which was great. So, you know, the Wednesday show was up Thursday morning, the Thursday show was up Friday morning, everything was great, um, numbers have been fantastic thus far, um, you know, since switching to the twice-a-week format, 
I definitely uh, feel better, less burned out, able to be more productive, and I'm glad with regards to that. Um, I know you guys are also enjoying the shorter shows. I've been getting a lot of great feedback on Twitter and via other outlets as well, letting us know that the two-week format is good because then they can consume the shows. Some people consume them within their a.m. and afternoon drives or commutes to work, which is great. A lot of people commuting, uh, listening to my insane ramblings along with the rest of the MTR team, which is great. Um, I think I think this is going to be the format for the foreseeable future. There will be a couple of delays next month and in November because we're going to be covering a lot of events, Photo Plus Expo, uh, International CES, Gadgets Expand event, and a host of other events as well. Plus, we're working on a ton of product reviews. Uh, just, just constant, nonstop work, growing RageWorks, of course, which is the parent company of My Take Radio. Uh, of course, there's also all the legal stuff with incorporation and all that stuff. So it's uh, definitely interesting. I did want to put out, and a couple of people have asked, and just because I haven't put it on the site doesn't mean we're still not looking for writing staff. Definitely, if you have a penchant for writing about mixed martial arts or gaming or professional wrestling or movies or toys or if you want to review some stuff or maybe uh, do a show, whatever the case may be, drop me a line. I know a couple of people have been asking about uh, trying to do podcasts and maybe adding them to the Rageworks Radio Network. And um, it's a cool concept, definitely something that I've been researching, but definitely cannot stress enough that we would need people that are 110% committed, uh, primarily because too many fly-by-night individuals. I know a lot of people have been emailing asking for uh, guest post submissions, especially on mytakeradio.com, and, you know, I've had to decline because we don't need, you know, somebody to get their article in there with link bait and take advantage of our, you know, high Alexa rankings to get some traffic for their article about 17 ways to brew coffee. It's not what we're about. Uh, the other thing I did want to say um, with regards to my take radio is that um, I've noticed a lot of people are continuing to share and read content on mytakeradio.com, And for that, I am appreciative and grateful. Uh, the only thing is, um, you know, we're going to be archiving a lot of the content. Uh, a couple of things that um, we're going to be doing to mytakeradio.com, And this leads me to the first email from Mark. Uh, who writes, uh, hey, Rich and MTR crew, notice that you guys now are doing it twice a week. First off, definitely great, um, especially for me. I listen to the show early in the morning, and usually I try to get it done in two parts. And when you guys go three hours, not that the show isn't great, but then I got to spread the show over a couple of days, and I try to get as much of your content as possible. The twice-a-week format was great last week, and we were able to bang out the show like you say within a day so definitely props to you hopefully this is working out better for you guys uh, have you given thought now that mytakeradio.com is only going to be show stuff to doing separate shows with separate rants about separate things uh thanks uh first off i've given it thought no idea how i'm going to do it um couple of things that you know we we still got all our ancillary shows mtr beyond the mic mtr behind the mic as a matter of fact we recorded a brand new episode of mtr beyond the mic yesterday with mike kingston from headlocked i just have to edit and post it and um we do have one next week with uh kelly miller from the martial arts junkie website and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite topics kung fu movies so we're going to get into that 
Don't think we've forgotten about the Minority Film Report. We still want to do that. The Buried Show will return, I believe, in December for Season 2. As far as I know, that seems to be the schedule that Quark and Blade have let me know about. I know that they probably may do something in November, but I think the second season of The Buried Show will be in December. So I hope that answers that. Um, With regards to MyTakeRadio.com, like I said, we're going to archive a lot of stuff. It's going to just be all the show stuff, maybe some equipment reviews, um, because we're still getting mics and products, and we're going to have those on RageWorks.net and also on MyTakeRadio.com. But MyTakeRadio will remain just for all the shows. That's that's pretty much it. And um, everything else, as I've said before, will be on RageWorks. Now, uh, this next uh, thing I want to get into, and this is kind of like my opening monologue for the week, um, I know Slick and probably Jay are going to appreciate this, especially uh, being New Yorkers. But who knows? A lot of you guys sometimes feel my plights and my gripes outside of the New York State area. So uh, here's a story I got for you guys. So usually when I wake up to go to work, um, I make it a point to either have a protein shake or have something quick for breakfast on the way to work. Uh, usually it's a soft cheese or or something healthy, something something pretty healthy. Usually it's washed down, since I don't drink coffee, with either a Monster Energy or a Coke Zero or just a, a gallon of water. Usually I try to drink a gallon of water a day. And um, my wife, she says to me, she goes, hey, you know, um, you know, we got some stuff we got to do. You might want to go into the office earlier, et cetera, et cetera. So I decided let me go into the office earlier and... One of the things that I like, and it's a guilty pleasure, is Taco Bell breakfast. Now, I know many of you are going to probably hear that and cringe at the sheer notion of Taco Bell breakfast. But I'll, but I'll be honest with you, when you eat, and not to say I eat clean all the time, but when you eat clean most of the time, there are just some days where you want to eat shit. And no disrespect to Taco Bell, um, but... You know, their food isn't exactly, um, you know, the healthiest stuff on the planet. And I know a lot of guys, you know, a lot of a lot of fellow gym rats that have different vices, whether it's McDonald's hotcakes or sausage, egg and cheese on a roll from a from the local deli, which I know any New Yorker can vouch for that or maybe a bagel or, you know, just something terrible. Usually I went I I went through a phase and I um, I got to thank one of my one of my colleagues for putting me onto locks, you know, I started having uh, bagel and locks in the morning, which is a bagel and cream cheese and locks, which is pretty badass. Uh, by the way, Shana Tova to all our Hebrews and Shebrews that listen to the show. Uh, I know those of you are celebrating Rosh Hashanah, so uh, props to you guys for uh, putting me on to the locks with bagel and cream cheese. But I digress. Anyway, so leaving to work, I decided, listen, I'm going to stop. I'm going to grab me an AM crunch wrap. Props for Mortis for bringing that up. That's usually the only thing I get. I've I've tried most of the stuff on on the Taco Bell breakfast menu, and for it, like the waffle taco is, um, you know, it it looks great in theory up until you eat it, and then it's um then it's you know you, the novelty wears off. They do a couple of decent breakfast burritos, but the big thing is their AM Crunch Wrap. Their AM Crunch Wrap is surprisingly solid. It's just some eggs, some sausage. And, um, you know, hash brown, some cheese, have that with a little bit of the hot salsa. Everything is good. Exactly. See, all other fast food breakfasts are crap except the AM Crunch Wrap. Yes, sir. So, again, 
what I'm the story I'm about to share does not reflect any anything other than the story itself. None of it is made up. It's all you know told in good fun. But again, you know, being that it involves uh, some of my fellow minority brethren, I have to throw that disclaimer out there. So, being being a minority, I've realized, especially now that I've gotten older, that. My, my fellow Hispanic brethren, as well as my fellow African-American brethren, can at times be incredibly picky about things they shouldn't be picky about. Now, when you hear that, you probably say to yourself, what are, what are you being picky about? Let me, let me explain. When you're researching your child's education, you should be picky. When you are researching uh, schools in your neighborhood, you should be picky. When you are ordering breakfast at Taco Bell and certain items are not available, now's not the time to be picky. (laughs) It is definitely not. Order your shit and move on. So that brings us to where to me in Taco Bell. So I pull in, walk into Taco Bell. There's one lady online, fat lady, whatever, whether she was skinny or fat, her piss poor attitude just made her a complete shithead. Anyway, so she's there. She's ordering breakfast. So besides the fact that she's ordering breakfast and she's ordering a whole bunch of complicated shit, you know, she's like, oh, I want to order a crunch wrap with sausage. So the lady says, she goes, listen, um, we don't have a lot of sausage patties. We don't make a lot because breakfast ends at 11. Um, not sure if we have any right now. So, you know, if you want, you can order bacon and that'll be that. So the lady, she ordered bacon then she ordered some other stuff. Then she complained about X thing and Y thing. Then she did one of the one of the worst things that I hate. I'm going to call somebody and I'm going to tell them that Taco Bell now has breakfast and proceed to take their order. So she calls this person on the phone, is running through the menu with them, dictating what to the lady what she wants. So the lady's already miserable as fuck because she's got to make breakfast in Taco Bell. So the lady makes the breakfast, and then all of a sudden she goes, yeah, I think we we're, we might have some sausage. You know, it's just not ready yet. So this lady, she goes, oh, no. How are you going to say that you don't have any sausage when you could have said that it's not ready yet? I'm bipolar. I get angry real quick. I'm like, bitch, can you just order your fucking food, you double-chinned piece of shit? Like, I'm already heated. I've been in Taco Bell now 11 minutes, and there's still somebody in front of me. So, finally, the, the, this fucking giant marsupial orders her food and moves to the side. So, behind her are two holy rollers. And I say two holy rollers because they have the usual holy roller long dress with, uh, with a shiny top. They have the big bag and you see the copy of, uh, you know, whatever religious publication sticking out of it. Again, this isn't a religion rant, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. Anyway, so they walk up. And they're ordering and they're asking a shitload of fucking questions. And I am, I'm just huffing and fucking puffing like the big bad wolf behind them. And I'm just like, it is Taco Bell breakfast. Do you want a fucking breakfast burrito? Do you want an AM crunch wrap? Do you want a waffle taco? Do you want some sausage shit wrapped in cheese? Do you want the cinnamon buns? It, it, I, I can, I can recite the menu in from the back of my hand because the menu is not that big. All the offerings, the square for the menu is about this big. 
and the shit is numbered. So these two fucking dummies, oh, blah, 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 let me get this, blah, blah, blah. So then the lady asks about hash browns. So she asks about hash browns. The lady goes that they come in 4, 8, and 12. And I said to myself, that's wrong because you're describing the stupid cinnamon buns. But I didn't say nothing, whatever. So the lady ordered it. Finally, I get up to the register. It was now 22 minutes that I'd been in Taco Bell without ordering. I walk up. I go, listen, let me just get an AM crunch wrap. I'm like, do you have the sausage made up or not? She's like, nope. I'm like, let me get a bacon one. And let me get a bacon breakfast burrito and some orange juice. So as soon... Oh, yeah, I do fail for staying slick. But you know what? I was in the fucking mood for the shit. And you know that when you're in the mood for something, you're going to go to great lengths to get it on some Harold and Kumar White Castle shit. But, um, so I give my order. I tell him, let me get an orange juice. So the fat marsupial that ordered first is like, oh, you guys have orange juice. Why didn't you tell me you have orange juice? I want an orange juice. And the lady's like, well, you got to pay 50 cents extra because you ordered coffee. Oh, holy shit. This fucking lady. So they're all getting their food. Finally. I'm waiting for my food. I get it. The lady doesn't give me my orange juice. So the Holy Rollers walk up and they're like, oh, I wanted the hash browns. You gave me the cinnamon buns. And the lady's like, well, that's what you asked for. Clearly, they were going to argue about it. I said, before y'all even start arguing, can I just get my damn orange juice so I can get the fuck out of here? So they gave me my orange juice and I just left. And there were these uh, high school students online and they were dying because I really was just super annoyed. The fact that it took me, I walked into Taco Bell at 10 a.m., I walked out of Taco Bell at 10.27. And it's true. I could have left. But again, I wanted the shit. I don't eat the shit on the regular. So I was genuinely in the mood. So I've realized that seeing this, this is a trend I've noticed with my fellow minorities. We are fucking picky about shit that we don't need to be picky about. I saw a lady make a big fuss in Wendy's because her bacon wasn't crispy enough. She wanted her bacon on some fucking cardboard level. And I'm just like, can I just order my fucking food? And I see this all the time. And it's either uptight, uppity Puerto Ricans, my fellow African Americans, especially if they're older, um, Indian people, Indian people, and, and some of my friends can vouch for that because they, that, that are Indian, that's the first thing they say, yo, we some picky ass motherfuckers for shit we don't need to be picky about. And I just realized that it's like minorities are groomed to be picky about shit. And it's all of us. It is all of us. And and I see it, and especially the older, the older generations. The younger generations, yeah, depending. Depends on where it is. I saw saw a woman in Subway order a Subway sandwich with Parmesan oregano bread and proceed to call the bread Parmesan. First of all, there's not a J anywhere in that. And the bitch called it Parmesan. So the generation after us is fucking shitty too. But but I figured I'd share that with you guys because it is it just boggles my mind that people are that picky about things that they really have no necessity to be picky about. It's it's insane to me. It really is. And like I said about the most inane basic shit. It's 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 horrifying. It really is. But I figured you guys would get a laugh out of that because, you know, it's been it's been a while since I've shared one of my uh, crazy rich stories. So uh, there you have it. What what can we take away from this? Don't go to Taco Bell for breakfast. Go to Mickey D's, buy a fucking sandwich, whatever the case is. Just just don't go.
don't. Um, I saw that Jay asked what uh, locks are, and Slick did answer. And um, uh, locks are thin sliced smoked salmon. Usually, go it goes over. I I have it with cream cheese and a and a whole wheat bagel. Um, it, it's pretty good. Uh, obviously, the concept of of smoked salmon may may gross some of you out, much like it did me. But um, my mom she used to eat smoked herring. And she used to give me that when I was a kid, and I was like, well, fuck, if I ate that, I can eat the salmon, which is probably a little better for me, because the herring used to come in those brown bags. I'm sure Jay's probably seen that in any bodega in the neighborhood. You know which one I'm talking about, Jay, the smoked herring that they keep in the jar and shit, and people order it, and they just put like five or six pieces in a bag. I'm sure I'm sure he's seen it, and he knows what I'm talking about. Um, Slick told me to go to Burger King because you can have a burger for breakfast. Slick, I have no problem with that. I'm I'm of the school of thought that any food can be a breakfast food. Um, you know, especially like steak. I've had steak for breakfast. I've had spaghetti for breakfast. I've been there. Trust me, I know. Uh, yes, they are shiny brown, the herring. That's right. So, oh, you've seen it too, Slick. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's exactly it. My mom used to get the, the herring in a bag and... Um, yeah, dude, it was it was fucking rank as shit. It was rank as shit, and and it's um, but it was good. And for those of you that aren't sure, uh, that aren't aware of this kind of stuff, let me let me explain something to you. Old old people, old Puerto Rican people, old timers. A lot of them eat some of the worst shit, and they always tell us, "Oh, you used to eat that when you were a kid, and now that you're an adult, you don't want to eat it." Like, uh. Fish heads. My mother used to do fish head soup. And I, I'm like, why would I want to have a soup with a fucking head floating in it? No thanks. I'll pass. You know, she used to do stuff like that. Um, yeah, Mortis, absolutely. Fish head soup, uh, fried chicken gizzards, um, chicken hearts, um, all, all that crazy stuff, man. And as I got older, there's just certain things. The only thing... The only thing I eat is a, is a Spanish dish, which is called morcilla, which is blood sausage. Blood sausage I've eaten. You know, blood sausage I, I do eat, and my wife just looks at me like I'm a fucking heathen. But um, <laughs> blood sausage definitely gets done. Um, with regards to anything else, I'm, I don't eat liver. Don't do the liver either, which is weird because, you know, especially because I just kill shit. And I like eating all kinds of fucking animals. Um, don't do any organ meats, hearts, livers, any of that shit. I, I don't do it. That's just, it's just not my speed. My mother used to be like, oh, you got to have some liver. It's fantastic. No, absolutely not. She used to fry it and shit. It was ugh, just, just awful. But that's a, that's a story for another day. But I figured I'd, I'd share that with you. Anyway, on deck for tonight, we're going to get into the week's MMA news, including the Japanese UFC card, which, holy shit, was out of this world. Also, we got the fallout from the Nevada State Athletic Commission hearings, including the punishments for John Jones, Daniel Cormier, and their brawl, as well as Vanderlei Silva's ducking of the drug test. We're going to get into that and the week's MMA news. I know that Jay's going to be joining me for uh, the wrestling segment, and we're going to be talking about Night of Champions, Raw, and the week's wrestling news as well. So let's not waste any more time, get the ball rolling, and start with some MMA, shall we? 
My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMA Warehouse. Get the best and brightest MMA gear, including your favorite fighter tees, your favorite training gear. Get it all at MMAWarehouse.com. They really got some really cool uh, super neon green kick pads that I kind of liked. Uh, <laughs> if I were if I were still training, I'd definitely buy a pair. Uh, definitely check them out. They got a lot of the fighter walkout tees from numerous UFC events. Give them a check. Uh, MMAWarehouse.com. You can also find their banners throughout RageWorks.net and MyTakeRadio.com where you can find promo codes and save a couple of bucks. On top of that, of course, any of those clicks definitely helps us out as well. All right, so let's talk UFC Japan, a card that aired on UFC Fight Pass, and we knew, we knew that it was going to be a great card. I joked about it at length in the days and weeks leading up to the card, and it was without a doubt one of the better cards that we did not get to enjoy on television, and I was thoroughly, thoroughly heartbroken that I had to wait to check it out, but I want to talk about a couple of fights that were surprisingly good, um... First one I do want to get into was Alex Caceres taking on Masanori Kanahara. A very, very competitive fight. Um, Kanahara ended up winning via unanimous decision, but I will give full credit to Bruce Leroy for stepping up in Uriah Faber's absence and definitely putting on as best a, as best of a performance as he could with the limited amount of time that he had. Overall, definitely a great fight. I enjoyed it. No disrespect on the loss to Bruce Leroy, I'm sure he'll bounce back, and again, the UFC's gonna remember that he stepped up, and they're gonna probably give him a, a good fight sooner rather than later, so I ended up missing some of the other fights, but I did end up catching um, Misha Tate and Rin Nakai's fight, which was as as unexpected as you would think, and the reason I say this is because Rin Nakai, you watch all the videos on YouTube, you've seen all the packages, you know that this that this young lady is a force to be reckoned with. Her ground game is nasty. She's incredibly strong. And I thought she was going to come in there and honestly bull rush through Misha Tate. I, I thought it. I felt it in my bones. And boy, was I wrong. On the contrary, Misha Tate definitely was very good at the sprawl and brawl. She had really good stand-up, incredible striking, Really, really solid performance. Uh, Rin Nakai definitely hit her own in the third round and started coming. So she started showing signs of life, but it was it was too little, too late. Misha Tate takes the fight via unanimous decision. Again, a solid fight. Um, Misha Tate definitely dictated the pace, kept the fight standing as much as possible, showing that she wants you know that she wants another opportunity at Kat Zingano. Obviously, a chance at the belt. And um, she definitely impressed. I was I was thoroughly impressed. But I will say this: uh, Japanese fighters fighting in the UFC for the first time usually don't fare well. Um, they usually hit their stride in the second fight. I hope that is the case. And Rin Nakai gets another opportunity, hopefully stateside, so that fans in the U.S. can see what this talented fighter is all about. The other fight that I was surprised about was Yoshihiro Akiyama taking on the returning Amir Sadala. Many of you uh, may remember Amir Sadala from The Ultimate Fighter, a uh, great Muay Thai practitioner, went in there with the very, very uh, highly favored Yoshihiro Akiyama, who was also coming in off a layoff, but definitely looked very good throughout the entire fight. 
A um, lot of crisp, uh, crisp striking from Akiyama, especially in the third round. He was really working the jab a lot, working his stand-up, really, really crisp striking on his part. Um, he looked just on a separate, on a completely different level than Amir Sadala. Amir Sadala is a talented fighter, but Sexy Yama, as he's known as, was uh, just a, the better man that night. And again, it was an incredibly solid, solid performance. I was heartbroken with the Miles Jury Takanori Gomi fight because I'm a big fan of the Fireball Kid going back to the Pride days. Um, incredibly talented fighter, uh, and it was just not his night as Miles Jury dropped him with a stiff right hand in the first round. Of course, it was academic after that with a little bit of punches to the noggin. Uh, the ref jumped in, waved him off. Miles Jury via TKO, a minute and 30, I think it was about a minute and 30 in the in the first round. Um, solid performance by Jury, no disrespect, of course, knocking off a guy like the Fireball Kid is huge, and I'm sure many people will be talking about that in the days to come. Um, the main event was exactly what you would have expected. Two massive heavyweights, two nasty, nasty strikers, Mark Hunt, Roy Nelson, these guys are, are are animals in every sense of the word, and that's not be, that's not being said in a negative. It's just in, said in a way that these guys they got raw power, and when they go in there, it's it's two shots. I hit you, you hit the ground. And as soon as that round that first uh, that first bell rang for the first round, it was it was exactly that. Just a lot of a lot of really really great uh, striking and just a, a feeling out process, which was. You know, it, it definitely gave fans a lot to be excited about. The second round, Mark Hunt definitely coming in a little bit more aggressive, um, landing with the left. I think Roy Nelson was starting to notice Mark Hunt's power at that point as he went in for the single leg and actually got Mark Hunt on the ground. Um, but the funny thing is, uh, Nelson quickly took took his back, but it just, it just didn't work. So what ended up happening was... Um, they got to they got back up and Nelson worked a little bit of the jab, um, some leg kicks, but all all that happened pretty much after that was Mark Hunt came into a completely different uh he, he just came into a different mindset, if that's one way to say it. He stuffed the takedown from Roy Nelson, at which point he hit a huge, huge uppercut on some straight guile fierce uppercut from Street Fighter. It pretty much connected flush with Roy Nelson's chin, and he crumpled. It was a nasty, nasty knockout as Roy, as Roy Nelson crumpled face first onto the mat. Mark Hunt with the sweet walk-off, as always. Every time he gets the knockout, he just walks off like he just hit a three-pointer from, from long range. Um, beautiful technique. Mark Hunt striking is on a completely different level. Um, this is this is a, a new reinvigorated Mark Hunt, and I gotta say, uh, heavyweights, you guys gotta be on notice, because the Super Samoan is coming for you guys, and he's got devastating, earth-shattering knockout power, Roy Nelson has a, has a legit chin, it's not like Roy Nelson's gotten put, has got put down in, in many fights, and he got put down flush, it was a disgusting, disgusting uppercut that put Roy Nelson to sleep, um, very, very pumped when that fight was over. I was super excited. I was, I was really ha happy for Mark Hunt because this guy's had an incredible journey. 
um, well-regarded, um, obviously from his pride fights, and the fact that he goes in there and he gives 110% in every fight. He just leaves it all out there. And his, you know, the guy, he swings for the fences always with bad intentions, and it was just a tremendous fight. Uh, no disrespect to Roy Nelson. I'm sure we'll see Roy Nelson back. Roy Nelson is a guy that's a tough challenge for any fighter. Uh, besides his great striking, he has tremendous Brazilian jiu-jitsu prowess. He's no joke on the ground either. And um, I got to say that I was very, very impressed. The card as a whole was tremendously enjoyable. I was very, very bummed out that fans could not enjoy it here in the U.S. without the UFC Fight Pass. And on top of the fact, the fight card started at midnight and the main card didn't start till around 3 o'clock in the morning. I pretty much watched on and off most of the card. I didn't get to see the Mark Hunt fight until the next day. And even then, um... <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Even though, even after that, I had to look for the highlight just to see the KO finish. It was tremendous. Um, again, UFC Fight Night 52 in Japan was fantastic. Um, performance of the night bonus, of course. Mark Hunt with his technical, with his beautiful knockout of Roy Nelson. Uh, Johnny Case got performance of the night. And um, Kyo Hyun Kang and Michinori Tanaka got the fight of the night bonus as well. Every fighter earned 50 grand, and it was all well-deserved. All right. Let's get into some of the other news for the week. A couple of other fight cards are coming together quite nicely, including Gabriel Gonzaga stepping stepping up to face Matt Mitrione at UFC on Fox 13. Uh, that's going to be another fight with hitters. Uh, these guys, nasty striking. Matt Mitrione is just coming off uh, just great performances. And uh, again, a guy in the heavyweight division that's a bit of a dark horse. And Gabriel Gonzaga... Every time he goes in there, you never know if you're going to get a knockout or a submission. Gonzaga is a lunatic, and I think this is going to be a very, very exciting fight. Um, Gonzaga is coming off a loss to Stipe Miocic, who is um, scheduled to face Junior Dos Santos. We'll get into that. And, of course, Mitrione put Derek Lewis to sleep at UFC Fight Night 50. Uh, that fight, that, that card takes place December 13th in Phoenix, Arizona. Of course, the main card will be on Fox, and the prelims will be on Fox Sports 1. So, we all know that athletes across the board, NFL, NBA, you name it, are all getting caught up in crazy legal drama. Some of them are losing their careers. Others are getting suspended. It just gets crazier and crazier. Well, it's happening in the world of mixed martial arts as well. Um, we'll start with the first story. You guys remember Thiago Silva, the guy who pretty much was arrested by a SWAT team and um, for threatening his wife and her lover um, outside of the school where he trained at a couple of months back. Uh, charges ended up being dropped because his wife did not appear and she dis actually ended up disappearing to Brazil. Thiago Silva was then subsequently brought back by the UFC and... Um, Excuse me. And everything was pretty much hunky-dory. Everything was good. Uh, the sun was shining. The, the clouds were clear. The sky was clear. Not a cloud in sight. Tiago Silva ready to come back. And then his wife sent some video in. Which pretty much put Tiago Silva's career in fucking traction. Uh, one video sent by his ex-wife shows Tiago Silva allegedly high on cocaine threatening his wife with a gun that he had in his pocket um just uh that was one of two videos that she released so 
as quick as he was brought back was as quick as he was released. Two weeks after being rehired by the UFC, his contract was terminated. As I said, he was arrested February 6th, charged with aggravated assault with a with a firearm, and um, the UFC released him. Then he came back. Um, the charges were dropped September 4th uh, when his ex-wife disappeared, um, left for the United States for Abu Dhabi, and then on September 5th, after the charges were dropped, Silva was re-signed, then the videos were released, and he's out of here. So there you have it. The, the Thiago Silva drama comes to a close with him unemployed. Meanwhile, promising uh, light heavyweight Anthony Rumble Johnson also was caught up in some legal drama. And um, as a result, he has been suspended indefinitely. It seems that um, one of the, the mother of Anthony Johnson's children um, actually accused the light heavyweight of assaulting her. And um, she filed a police report September 5th detailing threats she believes are coming from Johnson's friends. She also filed uh, mentioned an incident where Anthony Rumble Johnson assaulted her. Uh, the assault was alleged to have taken place in 2012 at a supplement store um, that the you know that his wife, his ex-wife or the mother of his child was working at. She claims that Anthony Johnson hit her and knocked out two of her teeth. She claims that she is in possession of security footage of the incident. So there you have it. Anthony Johnson was originally scheduled to face uh, Alexander Gustafson and was probably one or two fights away from challenging for a light heavyweight title. And because of these allegations, he has been suspended indefinitely pending the inquiry of the UFC's private investigative team. They've hired a third-party law firm that will conduct a formal investigation, and once they determine what the course of action is going to be, it's it's uh, it's crazy. And you know, Anthony Johnson, he went on Facebook. He wrote a a very upset status update with good reason, obviously. Um, but shit is shit is crazy, man. It is crazy. And you know, I'm my personal feelings on on both situations. And the Thiago Silva case, it's like, dude, you threatened your wife with a gun. They needed a SWAT team to arrest you. You were you were good with the charges being dropped. Clearly, the lady was probably scared. She went to a place where you couldn't find her, and then she just dropped the bomb because she figured you're not going to get away with your crime. And here's the, here's the thing with situations like this. In Thiago Silva's case, there was there's documented proof the guy had a gun on him in the video, whether he was high on coke or not remains to be seen, but the dude was threatening his wife with a firearm, and this is the second time that it's been addressed. Obviously, the first time when he was arrested, and the second time with the video. In his case, the UFC was smart in cutting him loose because you just don't need that press. This this is the type of story that ends up with the guy's wife mysteriously disappearing, and you find her in a landfill. We don't need that shit. The sport doesn't need it. They were really, really, I felt they rushed to hire this guy back and um, it blew up in their face. So they knew that after that situation, the Anthony Johnson situation needed to be handled a little differently. And um, Slick says, why the fuck do celebrities record dumb shit that they shouldn't? Um, Partially vanity, the other for proof. Uh, Slick then said, Ray Rice done started it all. 
Val adds, that's bullshit. These guys' personal lives shouldn't have shit to do with their careers. I don't give a shit if these guys beat their wives. You know what the thing is, Val? Here's the problem with that. While I understand your stance on the situation, you know, domestic violence issues are are not. The fact is that when you're a promotion that is already viewed negatively for the athletes that, that represent it because they feel that the sport is barbaric or, you know, uh, human cockfighting, you know, whatever negative connotation the sport of MMA has, the minute that you start seeing these guys just get into all kinds of legal issues, you know that you have to keep, um, you got to keep shit different. You know, you got to keep shit separate. And, um, no, and I, and I understand you were referring to Anthony Johnson and that, and, and I understand that, um, you know, I definitely got the gist of of your statement. Um, the problem with the Anthony Johnson situation is that the lady claims that she's being threatened. And the other situation is the fact that if she has security footage of him assaulting her, that's a big fucking problem. You know? And, and yeah, it could be a money bid. Val, you know, Val is definitely right. It could be a money bid. But if there is a tape, then we need to see it. And I think that the UFC is doing the right thing. They're not terminating him, but they're suspending him, and then they're conducting an independent inquiry because it's true. There there might be the chance that there is a, a cash grab, or there may not. That remains to be seen. I like Anthony Rumble Johnson. I think he's a tremendous athlete, a personable guy, a nice guy. Um, but situations like this, they got to be investigated to the fullest extent possible because what you don't need is you keep a guy on board some shit happens and the first person that gets the finger pointed at them will be the organization i think major league baseball the um the ufc uh all the other sports leagues have been watching what's been happening with the nfl and roger goodell very carefully why because they don't want to repeat these same mistakes and because there's there's people's livelihoods and a fuckload of money on the line across the board and you know again anthony johnson the the incident was from 2012 that was two years ago so you know it's it's interesting that that would come out now on top of the fact that why would she save the security footage versus filing a complaint in 2012 so yeah there are a lot of Uh, legitimate questions that are posed by the situation, but I'd rather Anthony Johnson be suspended, an investigation be conducted, and he be cleared versus him being fired unceremoniously. In Thiago Silva's case, he had to fucking go. You gotta go. Because you're just fucking crazy. You're crazy. You gotta go. You know, you gotta gotta get the hell out. Like I've said, incidents, incidents involving domestic violence child abuse and any crimes whatsoever they the organizations are have to do the smart thing and either investigate it independently or cut their losses regardless of the fighter regardless you could say any of my favorite fighters you know beat their kids or their wives you gotta go you gotta go i can't i can't as a promoter keep you on board because I'm trying to run a business and there will be a huge cloud over that business as long as you're around. You know? Now, you know, Val says if you're the UFC, you fire Thiago Silva because if you keep him on payroll, you lose business for employing him. 
Yes. But the other reason you fired Thiago Silva is because he was cleared and, you know, justice... Um, Oh, sorry about that, Slick. Sorry. That was Slick that said that if you're the UFC, you fire Thiago Silva because if you keep him on payroll, you lose business for employing him. Now, here's here's the thing with that. And this is this is something that I'm going to put an interesting spin on. And you guys can agree or, or disagree. You um you know, when you look at that stuff, each incident needs to be viewed differently. And I'm going to go I'm going to go through them piece by piece the um the war machine incident you had photo proof the chick nearly got killed the dude was on the run at that point if you're bellator or any organization you gotta cut that fucking guy loose it's like the lady looked like she was in a car accident you and and you ran so you gotta cut him loose the tiago silva situation when he got cleared at that point, you should have conducted your own independent investigation instead of just bringing him back right away. I felt that that was rushed and it was poor judgment on the part of the UFC. The same way you're conducting an investigation for Anthony Rumble Johnson is the same way that you should have conducted an investigation for Tiago Silva. Somebody should have sent the private investigator, seen what the deal was, made sure that he didn't kill his wife. You know, because his wife fled the country or left the country. It's like, you know, did anybody check to make sure she wasn't fucking dead? Oh, no, that's right, because the guy was cleared of all all charges were dropped, including including him being arrested by a fucking SWAT team. So you got to cut that fucker loose. But if I were the UFC, as soon as his charges were cleared, hey, you know, we should bring back Tiago Silva. The first thing before anybody should have even entertained that should have been like, all right, he got cleared. Why did he get cleared? Oh, there was no evidence and his wife was uncooperative. All right. Before we bring him back, we should try and find his wife and talk to her and see why she decided not to continue her case before we bring this guy back on and it blows up in our face. Unfortunately, you know, they learned from it. They're they're adapting a different stra- they're adopting a different strategy with regards to Anthony Johnson's situation, but it definitely paints Anthony Johnson in a very unfavorable light if she does have video proof. But again, are you utilizing the video proof because you know you want the, some money, or are you utilizing the video proof because you want to sabotage the guy's career? You can you can have all these different situations, but until we see a tape, until we know a tape is in existence, the guy is innocent until proven guilty. As for professional athletes as a whole, don't fucking do anything stupid. You can't afford it. And I hate to say it, professional athletes shouldn't even get married. It pains me to say it. Don't get fucking married. Don't. The allure of, of, of getting laid in every state that you play in or every country that you perform in is too great. Don't get married. Have fun. Fuck around. Do what you got to do. When, you're, when your career's coming to its, to its close and you're getting ready to retire, then you start thinking about that shit. That's one of the things that I got to say about New York Yankee you know, legend at this point, Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was always associated with beautiful fucking women. Beautiful women. All kinds. Every kind of starlet, celebrity chick, 
Oh, Derek Jeter, blah, blah, blah. He never wifed up any of them. Any of them. Dude played his career, enjoyed his time, and that was it. Didn't knock any of them up. Didn't do anything stupid. Just wrapped up his career, and and they were like, hey, man, you know, what now? And he's like, well, you know, I've missed. I haven't enjoyed a good barbecue in a long time. Start a family, et cetera, et cetera. You know, in that situation, the dude is a fucking smart guy. Because you're either going to do one of two things. You're going to get married. You're going to step out on your wife. She's going to take half of your money. Or you're going to step out on your wife, but you want to keep the facade of the happy marriage. So you got to pay her out the wazoo to keep her happy because she fucking hates your guts. Or you got the wife who realizes this is a, this is a business decision, lets you run wild as long as you keep the shit under wraps. That's what a lot of people used to say about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan used to run the streets. His wife used to let him rock as long as she got her pay. And then afterwards, you know, they went their separate ways and that was it. You know? It's craziness. It is craziness. If you are a professional athlete, especially if you're a young athlete, don't get married. Don't. Don't. I don't give a shit. And you know what the best ones are? The guys that come in and they're dating their high school sweethearts and then they turn pro and then all of a sudden the sweetheart gets pregnant. Then they get married. Next thing you know, a year or two down the road, you're caught stepping out. Chick takes half your money. How'd that work out? Terribly. Don't get married. If you want to maintain a relationship, fine. Don't get married. Professional athletes shouldn't get married. I'm sorry. It's it's fucked up, but don't do it. Don't do it. Cuz it's 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 a tale as old as as time itself. Professional athletes get married and it's like grand opening, grand closing. Don't do the shit. <laughs> That's it. Don't do it. It's it's, it's insane. You know? Jay writes, marry the meal, the meal ticket. And that's exactly it. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are legitimate instances where shit like that works out and the athletes have their wives there and, and happily ever after and it's all good and that's it. But then there are also the athletes that are happily ever after because they're paying to keep shit happily ever after. And then, you know, their wives divorce them and they get a fucking gag order. <laughs> and that's it. You know, like that's what happens. You know? Dude gets dude gets a divorce, and as soon as that divorce paper is signed, the wife has a, a has a has a confidentiality agreement along with her with her alimony. It's like, yo, you're gonna get a million dollars a year, but you can't say shit. <laughs> that shit happens too, man. Uh, uh, professional sports is just crazy. I mean, it's even happening. Like I said in MMA, it just gets crazier and crazier. And I figured I'd share my thoughts on the matter. Anyway. As I mentioned earlier, Junior Dos Santos and Stipe Miocic will be squaring off in the main event for UFC on Fox 13. Um, like I said, December 13th is when that goes down. Uh, definitely pumped for that card. I, f- I got to check out the Bellator event from this past Friday. Um, I didn't see the entire event, but I did get to see the fight I wanted to see, which was Melvin Manoff taking on Doug Marshall. And pretty much Melvin Manoff detonated his fist on the side of Doug Marshall's head. And that was that with a beautiful knockout victory in the first round, a minute and 45 in the first round. Uh, Slick just informed me that video went live. Um, Thank you guys at GFQ for that. So if you are on MTRlive.com, you're probably seeing my wonderful mug 
on your screen. And yes, yes, this is an Al Bundy Polk High football jersey. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> that's the kind of shit I'm into. Anyway, as I was saying, um, the Bellator event, very, very solid. And um, I really enjoy I really enjoyed that Melvin Manoff fight. I, I like watching that dude fight. It was tremendous. Um, Doug Marshall put on a solid performance, man. But Melvin Manoff was in another, another level, another level that night. Another one of my favorite fighters, the the very exciting Pat Barry will be fighting in Legacy Fighting Championships first kickboxing event, which will be going down January 16th, 2016. Uh, much respect to Pat Barry for taking another fight. Um, dude is one of my favorite fighters. I don't give a fuck. Dude goes in there uh, always running on a thousand. It's like the guy takes a senzu bean on the way to the octagon, goes in there, murder, death, kill, doesn't give a shit. Always going to be a fan. So um, I'm pumped to see him fight. Uh, I'll be tuning in for that January 16th. So let's talk about the Nevada State Athletic Commission. And the first thing I want to talk about is one of my favorite fighters, Vanderlei Silva. Now, Vanderlei Silva, many of you know, uh, was supposed to fight Chael Sonnen. Um, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Uh, Chael was popped for uh, for obviously various uh, supplements, if you want to call it that. Uh, Vanderlei ran out of a drug test, etc., etc., etc. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago. Before the athletic commission held their their inquiry, their hearing, uh, Vanderlei released a video announcing that he was retiring from the sport of mixed martial arts. And um, listen, whether the guy ran out on a drug test or not, I there's just there's just some motherfuckers that you gotta ride or die with. You know, whether it's Fedor, Rampage, and Vanderlei. Vanderlei was my dude. Vanderlei was without a doubt. One of the most exciting fighters, period. This guy had some of the scariest stare downs. This guy had some of the most violent fights. This is a guy that when you, we, he fought in Pride, Pride allowed head stomps and soccer kicks to the head on a downed opponent. Vanderlei Silva was almost guaranteed to stomp a motherfucker's head in during a fight. It is, it is, he is without a doubt one of the most violent human beings I have ever seen. He's insane. He is insane. Slick, if you would be so kind, uh, would you be able to pull up a Vanderlei Silva highlight off of YouTube and put that in the chat room for our listeners? I'm sure they would appreciate what that video has to offer. Um, I believe it's set to the tune of Sandstorm, which is, uh, Vanderlei's theme for as long as I can remember, um... Like I said, he announced his retirement. I was, I was, I was saddened. I was heartbroken. But I knew that him running out on the drug test was gonna bite him in the ass. How much is it gonna bite him in the ass, boy? Oh boy, that's a that's a tease for later on in the segment. But Vanderlei's retirement definitely bummed me out because that dude. Th- there's only one Vanderlei Silva, one one violent human being. You know it's serious when. When I got I got his figure on my shelf because you know that's that's how hardcore of, of a fan I am, you know, <laughs> dude dude is a fucking problem, he is a problem. All right, so um I want to talk about Invicta real quick. They announced their card for November first. Uh, there's gonna be a title fight. Uh, Barb Honchak is putting her flyweight title up 
uh, up for grabs against Takeo Hoshi. Also, the UFC announced that Chris Cyborg will be making her 135-pound debut at Invicta FC 10 in December. Um, Mortis, uh, Mortis, you, I, I want your opinion on this. Invicta has Invicta 9 on um, November 1st, but then Cyborg fights at Invicta 10 in December. You see that shit? They went from 90 days to 30 days like this as soon as... They found that Cyborg was ready to fight at 135. You knew that card was going to happen immediately. Immediately. So now you got Invicta cards 30 days apart. One in November and one in December. Um, very cool. I'm, I'm pumped for that. Yep, and, and it's true. Yep, they have some UFC money back there as well. But uh, definitely pumped. Invicta always puts on great cards. One of the things I'd say to get UFC Fight Pass 4 would be for that, as long as they get their fucking streams in order. But that is a story for another day. Uh, On the Bellator side of things, Bobby Lashley will be heading back to the cage. Uh, He'll be fighting on the October 24th card, facing uh, Carl Etherington. Um, That guy comes in with a 9-0 record um, against Bobby Lashley, who is 11-2. not sure how I feel about that fight. I don't think the guy's a can. I mean, the guy's 9-0, and but um, I don't know, man. Bobby Lashley's trying to do his thing in Bellator. I don't know how, how long he'll stick around uh, TNA if he continues to perform the way he has been, but we shall see what happens. I'm saddened to report on the injury side of things that Vitor Belfort and Chris Weidman will not be happening until February uh, due to a hairline fracture that Chris Weidman suffered. Um, very bummed about that. But on the flip side, Hendricks, Johnny Hendricks and Robbie Lawler will be main eventing uh, their card uh, going forward. So that's now going to be the main event for UFC 181. And um, is uh, Gilbert Melendez, Anthony Pettis will be the co-main event of the evening. So it's okay. You know, I'm bummed that Weidman is injured. Uh, Vitor, of course, is going to be Vitor, and we're just going to have to wait a little longer for Chris Weidman to possibly kill Vitor Belfort's legend. We'll see if that is the case. Uh, they are scheduled to square off in Dece- I mean, uh, in February uh, once Chris Weidman's hand is healed up. All right, so Vanderlei Silva, as I said, uh, announced his retirement. Well, this week was the Nevada State Athletic Commission hearing, uh, one of the hearings that was conducted involved Floyd Mayweather, and I'm going to talk about that due to a really, really great piece put out by Bleacher Report. Um, but let's talk about Vanderlei first. As many of you know, uh, during the Ultimate Fighter season, there was supposed to be a drug test for Vanderlei Silva, who decided to run out the back door and not take the test. So, Vanderlei had whatever reasoning he had for not taking the test. And even though when he announced his retirement, he said a couple of disparaging remarks about the UFC, uh, the Athletic Commission had other ideas. You guys aren't going to believe this. The Nevada State Athletic Commission has indefinitely suspended Vanderlei Silva. On top of that, he has been fined $70,000. seventy grand. So, not only is he retired... He can never compete in the state of Nevada ever again if he decides to come out of retirement ever. And he's got to pay back 70 grand. Now, obviously, the UFC is is they're not even touching the situation with a 10 foot pole. 
But Vanderlei Silva, if he he can't go to Bellator, or he can go to Bellator, but he can never fight in Nevada, or he can go to 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 Japan and fight in Japan or fight for One FC, but he cannot fight in Nevada, which is the state you want to fight in, obviously. And he's got to pay almost a hundred grand. It is a a very very disheartening uh, way to close out your career at this point. It's it's just crazy. Um, just because, like I said, the guy's tired. And and the funny thing is, Vanderlei Silva's retired. He could take his sweet ass time paying back the commission because it's not like he's fighting anytime soon. He don't give a shit. Fuck it. He'll he'll pay back that seventy grand at a do- at a dollar at a dollar a month. Just because he doesn't give a shit, um, I'm like I said, I'm just bummed that the guy's career would end in such an in such an abrupt fashion, and um, you know, hopefully, uh, his lawyer obviously said that they're gonna appeal, but I'm just bummed to hear the outcome. Obviously, you can't run from a drug test, man. Shit gets crazy, and the commission's not fucking around. Meanwhile, on the flip side, let's talk about John Jones and Daniel Cormier now. As many of you know, Jones and Cormier had themselves quite a scuffle at a UFC press event for their upcoming fight, and the Nevada State Athletic Commission was going to levy some sort of punishment for their behavior. So, let's talk about John Jones's punishment, which is a twofold level of punishment for two reasons. Number one, with regards to his punishment from the Nevada State Athletic Commission, he has been fined, get this, uh, $50,000, and he has to perform 40 hours of community service in Nevada. Not in New York State, where he lives, in Nevada. 40 hours and 50 grand. In addition to that, Nike has dropped John Jones. Due to the outcome of this event. And the reason that we found out about it was because when he was asked if he sustained any hardships or anything, he acknowledged that Nike did drop him due to the events of that fight. So the guy's lost twofold. He's got to pay out 50K, which whatever, he's a millionaire, drop in the bucket. But that Nike sponsorship, gone. Like this. He should have thought he should have thought a little bit more before throwing that first punch, and it's funny because obviously um, he said and people and, and people in his camp have said that he wasn't one hundred percent the aggressor in that fight, but you threw the first punch. Doesn't matter. You threw the first punch. That's it. That's all that matters. You threw the first. The minute you swung, that was it. And in Nike's case, and this is the funny thing, the hip, the hip, the hypocrisy of things like that is because the first thing people say is, you know, Nike cuts John Jones for fighting at a press conference, but they endorse dozens of other shitbag athletes in other organizations. And again, you have no arguments from me, but the UFC is a fledgling, fledgling promotion. I don't care how big they feel they are. The UFC in relation to the NFL Major League Baseball and the NBA is fucking small potatoes. It's not the same. Not the same. Like, in the UFC, you got John Jones, GSP, Ronda Rousey, you know, all your your flagship fighters, then everybody else. 
Nike will throw their money behind one guy, and if that guy is shitty in the NFL, they'll just find somebody else. Simple as that. In the UFC, it's got to be homegrown name talent that has recognizable backgrounds. You know? Now, now Mortis, Mortis says Nike backs a fighter, then takes their sponsorship back for, for the fighter fighting. Makes sense. You know what the thing is? I understand where Mortis is coming from, and it's funny that you put it in such a way. But you got to remember, you are at a public event. It was a fucking melee that they caused. It was a melee. The guy from the fucking UFC fell off the stage. Fucking do everybody was fighting. It was crazy. It was crazy. And and when you are the representative of your sport, uh, okay. <laughs> Mortis goes, "I know I was just joking." Um when you're the representative of your organization, when you're considered the face of your organization, you should not be throwing that first punch. You shouldn't. You should not be throwing that first punch. You should have let Daniel Cormier hit you first. You should have prayed. You should be like, hit me, motherfucker. That's what you should have done. And that way, it would have been okay. But no, you got to be the fucking tough guy, and you got to swing first. And it cost you. It cost you what's being what's being rumored as a six-figure deal. Huge, fucking huge amount of money. Because John Jones has had, I think, two signature Nike sneakers, plus, you know, Nike, Nike shirts and Nike apparel. Um, it's crazy. It is crazy. Meanwhile, Daniel Cormier was fined $9,000, and he was ordered to do community service in his hometown of San Jose. Um, 50,000 hours for Jones, I mean, $50,000 for Jones, and 40 hours community service, uh, $9,000 for Cormier, plus he's got to do 20 hours of community service. It's, um, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy. Now... Like I said, a couple of things can be taken from this. Like, if you are a professional fighter and you are representing a huge organization like Nike, just because they tell you to just do it doesn't mean you got to fucking come out swinging. Doesn't mean that. Val, they're saying six figures, who knows? I mean, either way, John Jones has been very, very vocal about, about just how sad he's been. But, you know, he's taking it in, in, good, in good form, and he knows he fucked up. You know, he knows he fucked up. You know, he knows it. He knows it. And, and six figures could have been anything. It could have been, you know, five, half a million. He probably had like a half a million dollar deal. I wouldn't even doubt it. Maybe more than that. When you're the face of the organization, who knows? But still, dude, when you're getting paid your UFC money plus your sponsorship money plus money from nike and you got a signature shoe dude you can't you can't be doing that stuff you can't just be wilding out it does not work i hate to admit it it just does not work all right so i'm very happy to report that nate diaz is making his way back to the octagon um you know if you want to talk about guys being fucking insane uh nate diaz definitely takes the cake and I am happy to report that Nate Diaz is coming back to the UFC. He will be fighting on the UFC on Fox 13, um, excuse me, Fox 13 card, taking on Rafael Dos Anjos. Uh, great card. Junior Dos Santos, Stipe Miocic on that card. Nate Diaz, um, Rafael Dos Anjos, Alistair Overeem, Stefan Struve, which is going to be crazy. Um, Gabriel Gonzaga, um, Matt Mitrione, Juicier Formiga, John Moraga, 
all great fights. Derek Brunson and Ed Herman is going to be a badass fight. Um, Joe Riggs comes back from his self-inflicted gunshot wound to take on Ben Killaby Saunders. Um, again, a very, very solid fight. Um, another fight added to the UFC 181 card, uh, New York's own Ultimate Fighter winner Eddie Gordon will be facing Josh Salmon, and that's happening December 6th. Also, one other fight I did want to announce, Frankie Edgar will be meeting Cub Swanson. That's going to be crazy. UFC Fight Night 57, uh, number three ranked Frankie Edgar will be meeting number two ranked Cub Swanson. Also, Bobby Green will be facing the very, very dangerous Edson Barboza. Uh, tickets for that event go on sale Friday, October 17th. The card itself goes down November 22nd. All right, so that's going to wrap up the MMA news for this week. I do want to read the email from Dave from Denver to wrap things up. He says, Rich, with the so-called rule changes to the NFL, who dropped out? The GFQ dropped out? Oh, the GFQ video dropped out, guys. Uh, Not sure how... Thank you for that. <laughs> oh, all kinds of craziness going on. Luckily, we are recording on this end. But as I was saying, uh, Dave from Denver sent in his uh, his question. He was like, with the so-called rule changes to the NFL and their creation of a conduct committee, how soon do you feel any organ- MMA organization will follow the NFL's example and institute similar rules on out-of-ring conduct and should a national fighter policy be the norm for all organizations. Keep up the great work. I'm still loving the show. Hope all is well with you and your family. Dave from Denver. All right. So to answer Dave's question, um, I do feel that there is going to be some sort of a committee in place for fighter conduct. It's definitely already starting to take shape in terms of how the UFC is addressing um, you know, the Anthony Johnson situation, the Thiago Silva situation, I do feel that it's going to be a, it's not a question of if it's happening, it's a question of when it's happening. And I think that the UFC is probably going to be the first organization to institute that because they have such a large roster of fighters and such a huge public profile. And I think that once they set something up, other smaller organizations will follow suit just because at this rate, you know, negative press, even though there's an old, there's the old saying of all press is good press. When it comes to fighter conduct, especially for things like domestic violence or child abuse, you can't afford as an organization that's trying to secure a footprint against, you know, like I said before, big organizations like the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball, you're going to want some sort of a governing body in place. So I definitely do feel that it's going to happen. It's like I said, it's a question more, not of if, but more so when. Uh, thanks a lot for the email, Dave. Uh, appreciate the support as always. And uh, Mark, thank you for your email as well. All right, so we are going to get into some wrestling. I know Jay's uh, scheduled to call in, and we got lots to discuss. Night of Champions. We got to talk about Raw. We got to talk about some of the week's wrestling news. Uh, some weird rumor with Brock Lesnar having a heart problem. All kinds of craziness. Let's get that ball rolling. Booker T, you know what time it is. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga.
as always, My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWE Shop. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Again, make sure to check out WWEshop.com. And as always, you can find banners for WWE Shop on MyTakeRadio.com and RageWorks.net with numerous, numerous um, promo codes. Uh, They alternate, alternate pretty much every day depending on what they send us. And as always, you check out those banners. It helps us out. As well, again, that promo code WWE Save Ten. All right, so on the wrestling side of things, we are coming into a very, very packed, packed week of wrestling. We had Night of Champions, we had um, WWE Raw, uh, Main Event, Impact. You name it, it was it. There was there was tons of stuff going on, and the crazy thing about it is that when you factor in all the hours of wrestling that were consumed this week, you're going to come away with uh, a a lot of negative opinions about a lot of stuff, but that's okay because at the end of the day, I feel that where Night of Champions dropped the ball, Raw picked it up, and where Raw dropped the ball, TNA definitely picked it up. So uh, with that said, let me bring Jay on board. Jay, what's up, buddy? You know, I'm starting to believe that Brock Lesnar has more appearances on Raw than I do on this show. <laughs> um, it, it's it's craziness. Um, first off, obviously, um, our very own Jay Santi, his little girl, is celebrating a birthday. Happy birthday to her and the giant box of Disney Infinity Marvel stuff that she has that will probably keep Jay just as busy as it's going to keep her. <laughs> a slick, jealous. Christ. <laughs> so, let's talk about Night of Champions. And um, before we get into some of the matches, uh, what did you think of the event as a, as a whole? But before you answer, I, all I have to say is I felt that it was not a $60 pay-per-view. It was a three-hour Raw with better special effects. Yeah, I can say the same thing. I mean, I'm only like, too upset about it. I mean, it had... It's moments, right? But uh, and all in all, it, it was it was it was fairly decent. Like, I could, I mean, we've seen far worse pay per views where we've been freaking anally probed for the money. But right, other than that, like it, it, it was okay. I mean, I haven't really seen a night of champions that was really like far fetched exciting in a while. So uh, it, it was alright. Like I like I said, and I talked about this last week. You know, night of champions, all the belts are on the line. You should have put an NXT title on the line. You should have allowed an NXT competitor to give his belt in and challenge one of the one of your guys, even if it was a, at least challenge an IC guy or a US title guy. Because again, Night of Champions, you got more than those champions on your broadcast. You do have NXT champions, and it's a good platform to showcase those athletes. But you know that's a separate gripe for a separate day. But um, I will say the tag team match between the Usos and the, and the Dust Brothers was. Everything you would have expected. It was. It, there was a lot of uh, hard hitting spots. There was a lot of great tag team wrestling, and the ending. I, you know, we we kind of knew that the Dust Brothers were due for the run, but um, I I was not a fan of the fucking roll up. Not a fan. Yeah, I wasn't either. I, if we, they gotta. They, they really gotta get a, a grip of understanding. Like, look, the, the fans like you. You know, they really do like you. So for you to even get over more than it should be. Give them the big pop that they want as the finish. Right. I mean, 
it kind of cheapens it by like saying like you know we we trying to push the Dust Brothers a little bit more as heels, but we know you guys like them, but we still want to force feed you this heel thing. Right. Uh, yeah. I, the the whole roll thing. Hey, it could have been done a lot cleaner. I agree a hundred percent. It did. The match itself was good, and the roll up definitely took away from that match. Meanwhile, on the flip side, Sheamus and Cesaro had a hard hitting match that ended when Sheamus channeled. John Cena and just beat Cesaro fucking clean. I was like, really? That just happened? Like, all of a sudden, he's getting slapped around, and he hulks up, which I've never seen before, and then he just kills Sheamus dead. After all that, dude, after such a hard-hitting match, it ended in such a weak fucking fashion. I was pissed. Who would have thought that we'd have actually been saying these past couple of weeks that Sheamus was possibly in a match-of-the-night type of realm. I mean, they're really, you know, people were talking about uh, WWE force-feeding you Roman Reigns. They're force-feeding us Sheamus like if he's broccoli on shit. Yep, it's definitely it's definitely a case of, and, and I've talked about this, and, and we've mentioned that at length, you can see the power vacuum that Brock Lesnar being champion has caused. I mean... For, for all the positive things about Brock Lesnar being champion, you can see the fucking vacuum of credible challengers. Because when you're running a guy who is, is for all intents and purposes, pretty much Broly from Dragon Ball Z, just the fucking strongest, most dangerous human being on your roster, he's not going to fucking lose to Justin Gabriel, you know? Yeah, you can see that they're, they're, they're pretty much... Setting up the pecking order. It's really, it's starting, it reminds me when there's planes about to land and they're all lining them up. And it's like, okay, we're going to line up this pecking order of big men who we're going to put probably a week at a time to go against Brock right. for this last run and um, let them squash them down or how it runs until we get somebody as we want to take the, the belt out. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty good, though. I can see where they're going with it. I like, here's the thing. Brock Lesnar being champion is good. And I've said this. And yeah, you know, the champion not being on TV or not being on house shows and people feeling left out. Yeah, I can understand that. And that makes that makes perfect sense. But my problem comes along the lines of you're not grooming anybody else. It's like it's Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, and then everyone else underneath that. Like, you don't see any of these mid-card guys, like, start showing shades of, oh, that dude's ready for the main event. And the only guys that they're kind of pushing your direction are fucking Sheamus and Rusev. I don't see that. I, I, I never really thought it was a problem that the champion really doesn't show themselves on any programming as a fault because... It should be that moment where the other talent is able to show off. So when he does finally show up, you know, the crowds, you know, the fans can say, oh, this guy's been doing well for the past couple of weeks. Right. Let's see what he does uh, against the champ. Like, it, it reminds me of the whole um, different uh, promotions or different uh, uh, shows when they finally do, like, the mega show. Or whatever. You know, you, you, you get to see finally who can really step to the plate with him. So well, I, don't, I don't really think it hurts the brand. Well, you know, it, it, that reminds me, and I'm glad you bring that up. Just if you remember, you used to watch like old WWF superstars or you wrestling know, challenge. Yeah, where it would just be your your main guys fighting jobbers. You never saw the fucking champions, rarely. And if you did, it'd be like yeah, an you interview. Saw the champions like at the pay per view or right. like 
cutting a promo at Piper's Pit or yep. something like that. Yeah, it would always be, you know, Coco Beware versus Barry Horowitz or, you know, <laughs> you know shit like that. Or John and Jim Smith taking on Demolition. But you never saw, like, Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior on, on shit like that. You'd see them on, like, Saturday night main event at 11 o'clock. Maybe. Maybe. And that was it. And, and you know, I, I don't like I said, I don't have that problem. My only problem is that WWE is not creating guys to fill that vacuum when Brock isn't there. Because John Cena and Randy Orton are your staples. Every time those fuckers come out, you know what you're getting. You know? But... You never, you never, you're not grooming. Like the only guy that they were grooming was Reigns, and as soon as he got hurt, dude, it was like, oh my god, what the fuck are we gonna do? Yeah, it's like it's like all of a sudden, um, panic in the streets, uh, man. The, the cre- cre- creator was in the back throwing their freaking laptops through a window. They jumped out, was burning themselves on fire. They had no idea what it was up to come. Dude, that shit was like the Great Depression. It was just creative guys jumping off a Titan Tower. <laughs> killing themselves because they had no clue what the fuck they were going to do. We need a sea story. We need a sea story yep. now. Pretty much. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the you know, the, with with regards to creative, like Dolph Ziggler and The Miz was a good match and Damian Mizdow stole the fucking show. But to have Dolph drop it on Sunday, I was like, what are you trying to prove? Like, I didn't understand the logic. Like, all right. You put it on Dolph. He went in. The Miz won. Hooray! Crowd goes mild. <laughs> uh, that's another thing that kind of reminds me of, like the old way of booking. Like that kind of reminds me of like that dusty booking. Because look at here, it's just this night of champions. Somebody gotta lose the belt. So <laughs> what we gonna do is that he gonna lose it Sunday, and then on Monday we give it to him back. Like I can. Yep. Like, that's that old. Like promoter type way saying that look, yep. you know we got to get a buy rate here, but we'll just make sure we give a turn back to see if we can get the ratings back on Monday. It's 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 classic shit. Well, you know what I hated the fucking commentary. Holy shit, was that commentary god awful? They were too busy kissing the ass of Florida Georgia line. And they're like, yeah, you know Florida Georgia line, and blah blah blah. Meanwhile, this match is just going on, and it's a good match, dude, and Mizdow just running on all cylinders being a fucking comedic genius, and they're too busy talking about, oh, Florida Georgia Line's gonna be a tribute to the troops. Oh, look at our Mountain Dew that we're not drinking. I'm like, yo, you assholes, there's a match in progress. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm pretty, uh, I'm kind of surprised about that because Vince, uh, from what we've heard, Vince is a real hard-ass about that when he's yep. uh, commentating. It overpowers and, and overshines the the match. Yep. Like I'm surprised that they they actually let them get away with it. I was, you know, I guess that gets frustrating after a while. It really ruined the I'm match. I'm starting to like start watching matches with on the mute button for real. Like, yeah, it's man. Too much. It's crazy. I'm like, yo, are you seriously doing this doing this shit during a match for a title like a legit title match i can understand if you do shit like that for a divas match because we've seen it done on numerous fucking occasions but yeah you legit shit you legit shit on both those guys well all three of those guys at that point you also you know the other thing which surprised me because these guys are vets already you know you do that when you see a shit match going yep. on, like in the, during the process. Like they were already, 
it's like following like screenplays or already uh, already had one liner set up like a minute in the match. It's yep. like, what are you guys doing? It was it was craziness. It was it was crazy. But then then when when you know when Rollins comes out, it's like everybody gets back on board because you knew the big spot was coming. It was just a matter of what the big spot was because obviously when he came out, we all knew that it was going to be Ambrose in some capacity. But what made that work was the fact that he came out. And he's like, listen, he forfeited, which he's done before. And he's like, he forfeited, so I'm the winner. And as soon as that cab pulled up, I said, fuck, here we go. And just as and this is what I said. When Ambrose walked out and that crowd popped the way it did, I said, this is your next guy. Listen, Period. We've been saying it. Yep. We've been saying it for a while. But it a was lot proven. Of people have always wanted to put the bank, the tickets with Roman and Seth. I've been yep. telling you guys for the longest. Ambrose is our new millennium stone cold. I'm yep. guaranteeing it. Yep. Guaranteeing it. And we'll talk about it in a minute, but if you if you guys haven't watched, you know, Raw in the main event, like he's he's oozing the charisma. And oh, he was fantastic. I just wanna thank my wife for um putting me on to that. <laughs> oh, he was he was on fire, dude. But the thing that got me was the fact that when he got arrested and they're, caught, and they're carrying him out at the end, you know, in the pay-per-view. He's like, take me away. Take me away. Put me in jail. Come on. Put me in jail. Take me away. And he's yelling it like a complete fucking psycho. And it works. When he jumped off, when he jumped off <laughs> and he landed on the group of people. And it's like, usually you see the wrestlers do it. It's all finesse and style. Oh, he the didn't give he a shit. off was just like a stage dive. <laughs> Dude, like, he looked what? like he was headbanging, dude. Like, he was straight in it trying to jump into a mosh pit. He gave no fucks. <laughs> and everybody was just like, oh, shit. You know, it was crazy. I would have liked, I think when he ran by Seth Rollins, I would have liked if he would have, like, cracked Triple H first and then going back and started hitting Seth Rollins. Like, because that's the kind of psycho that he should be booked. But it was, that was a great segment. It was great for all parties involved. And then, and then we get the stinker with Mark Henry and fucking Rusev. I don't understand it. Mark Henry's known for putting on good matches, but I felt like I was watching fucking the one-man gang and and junkyard dog wrestle a match in the 80s. It was fucking dog shit, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yo, what happened? What happened? Mark Henry's such a great worker, and I said, Rusev can't carry a match for his life. He can only carry fucking Lana's extensions. That's it. It's like we've we've mentioned before. He, he, if you could give a three to five minute match, that guy could be a champion, right? But, you know, you you got to give another seven to ten. It's oh oh, yep. it's oh oh time. That's it. It's oh oh time indeed. And it's like yo, somebody needs to tell Lana to stop buying the fucking fake hair from the chick in the cart at the mall. Cause yo, every Jesus. time I see that bun, that shit gets higher and higher. It's like yo, she's gonna come out looking like Marge Simpson one day. Her hairline <laughs> is just blending into her skin fully. Yep. And it's just looking like her hair and her head are just like one skin and hair overlap. It just looks it looks like a kid drawing. Dude, bitch like got a hairline put a hairline in it. Bitch got a hairline like a Cenobite from Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> oh my god, dude. I was like, yo, look at her hairline. And then it's like Rusev's coming out there and I'm like, yo, why why is Mark Henry looking like shit in this match and i was it just horrified me and on top of that he fucking beat him clean 
I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, you don't got no love for Mark Henry that you let the fucking guy lose clean. Holy shit. Well, the only thing that they try to sit, like, try to, you know, make it seem as though, like, if he worked his back or he, uh, he, 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 he tweaked an injury or whatever the case may be. But you're right. What it should be going to is that angle, like, listen, you know, rushes are dirty people. Let's, let's get some dirty wins here. You know? Yeah, let's you get know, some dirty on. wins. You know, some really crazy yeah. shit. He should be fucking spitting vodka in his face like a mist attack. Oh. <laughs> some stoli. Choking him out with his little gold star. Yeah, something. man. Something. It was it was ridiculous. But and then on top of that, it's like you go from the clean win Monday to the non to the to the vague win on I mean from the clean win Sunday to the vague win Monday. And we'll talk about that when we get into Raw. But I was just like, yo, come on. And like I said, he just made Mark Henry look shitty. And Mark Henry can do lengthy matches. We've seen it. Yeah, it's going to be one of those things that you watch the retrospect a year or two from now, and Mark Henry sitting there just shaking his head going, uh, uh, yep. we both drank before the match, I don't know what to tell you. That's it. Meanwhile, Jericho and Orton put on a pretty paint-by-numbers match. The only thing that killed it was when Jericho was on that top rope. Dude was up there for like 20 minutes, and they're like, oh, Randy Orton baited him to catch him in the midair RKO. And I said to myself, the problem <laughs> is that the RKO with a big spot is becoming like the go-to like you like usually with the diamond cutter when ddp would do it you'd never see it coming the rko it's so fucking obvious that fucking stevie wonder stephen hawking and any blind man helen keller could see that shit yeah and it's once again that um we're looking at jericho doing his swan song and he's going out on a high note right but the, at the expense of somebody else yep Jericho's like, yo, I'm out, but I'm going to put this guy over, which is crazy because Randall doesn't need to be put over. But it was just like, yo, he's hanging out up there. I'm like, yo, and Randy Orton does the worst stumbled impression ever. The most stunned, the, the worst stunned impression. He's like, I'm like, yo, did you just come off a bender? Did you smoke some bad shit? Because, yo, that was god-awful. I was like, yo, come on. But yeah, the match itself was decent. It's almost on the level of Vince McMahon taking the stunner. Yep. That's <laughs> almost that level. Or Devon taking a bump, dude, and he always looks like he's having a seizure. <laughs> the Devon bump. Dude, that is the best. Dude Dude does his best fucking rumble, rumble pack. You know, old Nintendo 64 rumble pack vibration. He's on the floor just... <laughs> fucking doing the truffle shuffle and shit i'm like oh get out of here but um and if anybody doesn't know what boss is talking about 9.99 go to oecw yep pretty much um, archives yep and just watch devon dudley sell anything just it's just the same sell all the time it's great um the Divas match, I was shocked. I was shocked to admit, wasn't completely terrible. I really did think that Nikki Bella was pretty much there to eat the pinfall. Um, her her match was just it was weird. It was it was weird because they really were trying to tease that romantic Paige AJ relationship on the low. Without with it was it was going outside of PG without doing it too much, but. AJ winning the belt back was it was the right thing to do just because Paige being champion isn't bad but um it's AJ just tells a better story The only thing that 
I mean, that would have been a fairly decent match to finish up with uh, for for the for the Divas side. But the only problem was, once again, the inexperienced the Bella who missed her spot when she was supposed to stand there and swiftly lets AJ put her in the octopus and yep. uh, didn't. It, it took. Uh, it, I swear, it took as long as Jericho on the top rope for AJ to, to hit that finisher. Dude, she was sitting on the ropes like Shawn Michaels. I thought somebody was gonna bring her a mai tai. I'm like, yo, what is happening? <laughs> She's just chilling. I'm like, uh, okay. And then she rolled oh, into it. Boy. <laughs> yeah, she rolled into it because, you know, AJ's like three feet tall. So, you know, you got to, if you're taller, you need the setup, which is fine. But I'm like, yo, she's just hanging out there. Like, my wife looks at me. She's like, what the fuck is happening? I'm like, somebody forgot their cue. That and the fact that <laughs> that I somebody needs to sit Paige down and teach her how to fucking call spots where the fans can't hear them. Oi, is the rope yeah, slippery? She's going to have to do it in sign language. Dude, oi, is the rope slippery? Like, oh, my God, bitch, I heard you. I heard you, and please learn how to give a headbutt and sell it. I hate your fucking hair butts, because that's what that is. It's a hair butt. It's just her whipping her hair in your face. Yeah, she, like, she's she's one of those that couldn't get away with a whisper in class. Yo, come on, yo. It's like, yo, you're not Samoan. If I headbutt you, it's going to hurt me a little bit. You got to at least, you know, rub your head or just shake it off a little bit. But no, I'm just going to headbutt you like it's all good. No, you're not Samoan. Your last name isn't Snooka or Anonai or anything else. You are a pasty English chick that wears Doc Martens. Yeah, they're not pretty, they're, they're not known to be that 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 hard of head unless they're soccer players. Yeah, like I could, if Wade Barrett had, but see, like Wade Barrett, he's done headbutts and he sells it. Like he rubs his head, he shakes it off. But, you know, I could see if, like, an Uso gave you a headbutt, you'd be like, yeah, you know, those Samoans, <laughs> yuck, 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 hard-headed. You know, <laughs> tongue, in cheek, tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it, it's their nice way of saying fucking savages, you know. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. But, hey, come on. And the fact, like I said, that she called the spot. I'm like, yo, get out of here with the spot calling. I hear you. But, yeah, they did the... They, they, they're gonna have to take it to intro to um, wrestling spots one on one. That'll be that'll be at the the, the, the fitness center. Seriously, the performance center. Seriously, she needs to learn how to how to sell that. She needs to. Um, main event time. Cena and Lesnar had a decent match. Good offense from Cena. Uh, good performance by Brock Lesnar. I thought that dude was gonna die out there. He was like magenta, then red, then pink like a mouse. Then he turned fucking purple. I'm like, yo, what is happening with this guy? He was like a he was like a human mood ring. Yeah, it's like each time you had to go to your TV and adjust the contrast on it. Yo, man, it was like Brock Lesnar angry, color purple. I'm like, yo, what is happening? I mean, the match was was solid up until that awkward ass ending because it's like Rollins was gonna go cash in and then all of a sudden he didn't, and it's like, all right, great. And I thought they were going to expand on that story Monday, but the match itself was good. They told a good story. Brock Lesnar, he he definitely sold that curb stomp like a first-timer, but it was all good. And I'll admit, I marked out when Rollins hit it because I said, oh, shit, he's going to become champion. But, of course, we got swerved, but still it was good. Well, 
for well, we we pretty much had an uh, uh, idea that yep. Cena was going to be more on that more combative outlook. Right. What I would have liked to see more was that, unless they're trying to save it for later on, that Cena's actually trying to learn some MMA moves. Yep. You're going to see him put on a Cody or something like that, uh, or, or you know, just try to counter whatever Brock does a little more. Like I, I'm, that's what I want to see more. Right. But um. Yeah, I think I, I, I the, the Seth thing is actually uh, it's a rib that I believe that, that the WWE is saying to people like, listen, just because Brock has the belt, though, doesn't mean that Seth won't cash in. Yep, like that was good. I think I think that was smart in the sense that we we talked about it. We were like, yo, they're not gonna have him cash in on Brock because Brock is their boy. But this creates a new story because it's like you know Paul Heyman's gonna be like, yo, I thought we had an agreement. And your man went into business for himself. So, you know, there's there's some great storytelling there, which I would have expected, you know, now that we're going to go into Raw. But that was not the case. Instead, Raw opened up and Raw was Ambrose. As Raw was out, you know, Dean Ambrose came out talking shit. John Cena interrupted him, which I liked because he was like, dude, don't you don't want to be out here, dude. Like, mind your fucking business. He's like, I you know, I kind of like you, but I will fuck you up. It's the 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 unlikely the likely pairing. Yep. The the cliche uh, former former enemies now joining sides for one common goal. That's it. But I'll tell you this though, that CZW run for Dean Ambrose paid off because any motherfucker that takes a bump out of a moving car is a hardcore fucking dude. No, I'm ser- no seriously like people don't understand that that's like. That's a serious thing to do. Like, if, if people, uh, if you guys have never been, even for a car that's moving at 10 miles per hour and you fall out that shit, you can get hurt badly. Yep. <laughs> what I liked was the fact that he landed on, he tried to land on the bag because that was the, that was how they did it. The fun, the thing was he jumps in, grabs the bag, falls out and takes the bump on the bag. He landed on the fucking floor. Because he had dirt on his arm and shit. I'm like, yo, he is out of his fucking mind. You can imagine Vince is in the back going, how much is the insurance on Ambrose? Yep. A million? Okay, okay, we're covered. Good. Yep. It's like, all right. And, and it's funny because they're like, oh, my God, Seth Rollins, he drove off with somebody's car. Yes, that is a crime. <laughs> like, I'm just like, <laughs> like, that's the shit I always love that they just never acknowledge. Like, he just legit jacked the dude's ride, and it looked like it was a, a fellow wrestler, you know, because obviously you see the shorts and the high sneakers and the rolling bag. So, you know, it was some wrestler. could have been anybody. But it was funny that... He jacked the dude's car. Ambrose tossed the guy's bag somewhere. Like, yo, what the guy's bag do to you? Every aspect of that was just so over-the-top insane that it worked. But Ambrose taking the bump out of the car, dude, dude's a fucking champion. I, 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 like, I like the way that they're giving him just free range. You know, they, 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 it, it's the whole idea of, like, listen, we already know what we have in our hands. And so far, he's been gold. Just, just, just let the guy go. Just let him go. Yeah, just let him rock and roll, which is good. And you know, I li- I like that. And then you know, we we had the first match of the night with the IC title, and obviously Dolph got re- got redeemed. Um, in my three R's column, I said redemption is spelled D O L P H. Um, as Dolph got himself the 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 win in a very very good opening match. Um, highly entertaining. A lot of great spots. 
it's almost like they're trying to groom the Miz and Dolph Ziggler as just eternal rivals. Yeah, you know, it has like that 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 as the way the the, the IC belt should be looked upon. Like you got to have two key guys who really care about that belt yep. because now it brings back the precedence it's supposed to have, like it used to years ago. And also, I am not yet fatigued about seeing the stunt doubles. That nope. is just gold right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, Mizdow, Mizdow is definitely dealing, doing a great job. And if they were smart, they'd have that happen. And then Miz sends Mizdow out as a stunt double for an IC title match. And, and Miz and Mizdow wins it. And plays it that, off. The, 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 listen, they've already been. Listen, you, you're gonna start trademarking this stuff because they're already taking our ideas with this thing. I know, I know, dude. Every week, some <laughs> shit that we talk about happens. We're like, oh, come on. But um, the one thing I don't need on my fucking TV: more baggy diaper Bo Dallas and Jack Swagger. Tired of the shit already. Tired. I mean, look. They're trying. I mean, they're really, really trying. And, and Dallas, Bo Dallas actually could be the guy that you really love to hate. Yep. But I don't think it's with Swagger. They got to give him somebody that's, I mean, even if it was, uh, I, I can't even think about anyone right now because everybody's like in such a big uh, mess of angles and stuff. But you got to give him an antagonist that he could at least go three months with where he could just be, you know, just draw out the heat that he could, that they, we, I know he can generate. And I, NXT, it was just natural. Because yep. I guess it was a smaller setting. Right. A smaller crowd. Right. But the, 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 the whole swagger thing, it just, it, it, it's not working with him. Definitely not, you know, and and you know the the inevitable Ambrose and Kane match on the card was was okay, but Kane Kane is starting to show his age, man. He's starting to slow down, and it's what we said, you know, we've been saying. It's like I think it's time to start transitioning Kane into either you know authority figure on TV or manager, because wrestler starting to show his age, man. He's starting to slow down a bit, not to the Undertaker level, but definitely not not as fluid as he's been. Yeah, and I'm I'm starting to get a, a bit bored, like uh, uh, annoyed with seeing him come out with you know slacks, no shirt on, and yeah. the kick-ass gloves, and it's like, oh, that's corporate gain. I get it now. Uh, all right, got to take out the got to take the button off just to make sure you know I kick ass. Yep. Nah, it, uh, it, it's time for Kane to just sit down for a little bit, probably for a long bit. Yeah, I mean, it it was the, the only the funny thing again was Dean Ambrose fucking being tossed into, like, a room. And what I liked about it was the fact that they were like, Stephanie McMahon, again, adding adding little touches, little touches, and she was like, don't throw him out. Will you see what happens when we throw motherfuckers out? <laughs> you know, and that, that, I said to myself, wow, somebody actually used real logic. The only thing that bothered me was that they should have found they should have left the camera in the back to just show like to show Ambrose escaping out of the room like crawling out of a vent or some shit like a fucking lunatic just he crawls out of a vent covered in soot yeah my wife my wife was saying that um, Dean Ambrose escaped by chewing his way out like the woman did in uh Nacho Libre <laughs> <laughs> Like, it should have been something, dude. He should have crawled out through the rafters. Something insane. Like, oh, something that only a complete lunatic would ha- would do. 
You see them like shimmying down a pole, yeah, or something. coming down from the Titantron, or 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 just be like, "Oh my god, oh my god, my chest hurts!" And they run in to check him and shit, and he's behind the door and he hits him with the chair. You know, like some just real <laughs> psychotic shit. Like, like that's the kind of but shit he, you need. He, 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 but he, 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 he's gonna be a lot. He's gonna be a lot to play with when it comes yeah. to you. You could, you could just imagine what's going on in creative, where somebody just stands up and just is like, "Okay, this is what I got for Dean. We get him. He's gonna hit people with bags of shit." And the baby's like, "What? <laughs> this, this is Ambrose. This is Ambrose we're talking about here." You'd expect it, <laughs> Ambrose. You know what's funny? Ambrose should have. Remember, have you seen the Prince Devitt videos where they rolled Prince Devitt out as Hannibal Lecter? Right. Like that. Like, Ambrose should be wheeled out. That's how Sabu used to come out. Dude, he should be, he should have orderlies. Like, like they should be like, you know, Dean, in order for you to be an active wrestler, you know, we gotta, we, we have to, for insurance purposes, have you monitored at all times. And just have, like, two orderlies and make them, like, two independent wrestlers that just bring Dean Ambrose out to the ring in, like, the Hannibal Lecter fucking shit. And then all of a sudden you could use those guys as, like, up-and-coming wrestlers and have them get involved. Oh, my God, the orderlies are attacking Seth Rollins. And in, in, he's there, like, each time he starts getting, you know, a little bit more than he can, they can handle, they'll just tase him. Yep. And it's like, they'll, they'll cattle prod him. Yeah, dude, they'll cattle prod him, put him in the straight jacket, and then wheel him out. Oh, it would be fantastic. <laughs> but again, that, that would involve a lot of work and a lot of creativity. But um, <laughs> the, other, the other match of the night was, let's combine all the feuds together as, our, as the Ginger Warrior and the Usos took on the Dust Bros and um, jacked up, uh, jacked up Cesaro, and I say this because Cesaro comes out, and I and I the reason I'm saying it is because everybody's been going on the rumor that Vince isn't sold on Cesaro because he doesn't feel Cesaro is tough, and I'm like, dude, Cesaro's the most the most ja- naturally jacked and and most fucking badass dude on your roster, yet you don't feel that he's tough enough because he's well-spoken and Swiss, you know? Like, what the fuck, man? Only Vince would do that shit. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> this, this guy is gonna be the one who one day will hopefully give them a chance for him to hold you know, the major title. Yep. And he's gonna be an international representative with ease. Yep. With ease. Yep. Now, Looking at the man, I wouldn't question his toughness. Seriously, <laughs> I'm just saying. What? Because he wears nice suits and he has a fucking scarf on. You know, you know, he walks in with his thing. Hey, Vince, how's it going? And as he walks by, Vince is like, "Look at that guy, fucking pussy." <laughs> what a pussy. That's it. What a bitch. Vince Cesaro's a <laughs> tough guy. How tough can he be? He's Swiss. <laughs> Do you see his lapel? That's it. Just, just Vince, just being old school belligerent. Like that's what I feel bad because it's like really, dude. Like that's the type of that's the type of shit. And again, it's all rumor and speculation. But I still say that some of those rumors, man, they got a they got a grain of truth to them. And that one, I wouldn't even be surprised. Can you imagine if that's true? Because then we're starting to get senile and dementia, Vince. That you know, it's just like you know who we're booking tonight. Chief J. Strongbow. No, that's Cesaro. No, it's Chief J. Strongbow. <laughs> that's it. Okay, Vince. <laughs> somebody somebody show Vince a picture of Tatanka and tell him that it's Chief J. Strongbow. <laughs> <laughs> just just to calm him down. But um 
So we got another we got another Rusev Henry match, which um, ended the right way with Mark Henry passing out from the accolade, and that's how it should have ended, just to keep him fucking strong. Um, Rusev, we know the inevitable. You know, he's on that collision course. They're like, oh, who's gonna stop him? And then obviously, if you read the SmackDown spoilers, you know it's that 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 the Big Show's gonna step up to the challenge. And I, as I as I read that, without spoiling too much, I said to myself. Yeah, I'll be fast forwarding this match. No, oh, wow. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about Adam Rose and the Bunny <laughs> against Slater Gator because fuck that match and fuck all four of those guys because you know JBL bitching about the Bunny ruined that entire thing. Yeah, and I guess it's another one of those things where it, the, the commentary overplays the match. Yep. Although, you know, there's certain lines here and there that'll work. You're not letting the gimmicks get over. Nope. When you're, when you, when you're, when you're aborting them right before they can even start to get some type of buzz. Yep. It, then you wonder why that's where their frustration comes. And this is why you hear, you know, former wrestlers on you know, dirt sheets on interview shows and shoot with, where they're sitting there, and it's the first thing that they gripe about. It was dead before it came out the gate. Yep. But yet, you know, we get we get Nikki Bella out there feuding with her sister over a last name, because I bet you they're going to do that, where the loser loses the right to call themselves a Bella. And I'm like, this is so stupid. Besides the fact that Nikki Bella's promo work, she always comes out with the face like somebody farted on her chin. It's like, is that your mad face? <laughs> like, that face is fucking terrible. Like, it, um, Josh, I spoke to him, and he said that she has a face like somebody told her her cat died. And it's like, yo, you're a completely different character. Like, you're not whiny bitch sister. You're like a full-on heel, yet you still look like you're, someone told you your cat died or somebody farted on your chin. Like, yo, switch it up. I guess you know? if, I think that, that, that although they're twins, they're trying to show that they're different yep. and no one could get them confused. And this whole last name is, I, I've seen better storylines in Glow yep. of women's wrestling. But I, this, is, this is really the who cares match, care match of the year. Dude, I'd rather watch Lady Godiva on the horse wrestle the freaking fat voodoo lady from Glow. <laughs> then watch Nikki Bella and Brie Bella do anything. Besides the fact that when she was in that match with fucking AJ, she did some shit where she just like pressed her ass against her. And I'm like, what is that? What is that? Like, at least Naomi uses her ass in a like a flying butt attack. But like, Nikki Bella's like, I'm just going to press my ass up against you. And that's my move. Hope you don't well, mind. But that's my move. Think about it, it's like. We're fighting for the Bella last name. Like, that thing is worth money. Like, yep. Like, that's even your real can? name. Like, who gives a shit? I want to be the Nikki Bella. And it's like, you want to be... last name is not Kardashian. Like, yep. It's not... It's like, you want to be the Nikki Bella when you need to learn about the wrestling basics. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> it's like, stop spending money on fucking spiky hats and get your shit in order. Like, it, like, the match itself wasn't terrible because AJ fucking worked her ass off to make that match work. But it's like... And I'm really starting to feel really bad for those divas as in, like, AJs and such because it just pretty much makes the whole division look terrible. Yep. 
you have just you just have you have a lot of uh, of these 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 women who are in there. You get you, you get like twelve, and you can honestly say two can give you a good match. Like yep. what the hell are the rest of four? That's it. Well, the the other thing is that you know Vince Vince allegedly he has a you know no pun intended he has a hard on for the Bella Twins. He likes them. He feels that there's a lot that they can do with them. He feels that the reason Total Divas is is successful is because of them, and that's fine. But you know what you got to do when you're not doing Total Divas and press, you should be in fucking NXT getting better. And it's like there's no excuse because Chris Trish Stratus came in as a valet with TNA. And how did she end up being like the fucking face of the women's division? Why? Because she got better. And I was going to say that too, that a lot of times, a lot of the, uh, many of these women, they come in, you have the Sherry's, you had the, um, even the Moolahs from years past, they came in as valets, they took yep. bumps, they, they worked, they didn't come in as fitness models, did two weeks at the performance center, was like, hey, I'm ready for my Divas, my Divas championship match. No. Nope. No. It's like it's like yo, the, like Summer Rae and Layla, and you know they they're all they're all they have their perks and they have their pluses, but they need more seasoning. It's like yo, who is training? Who's training them down there? Not to say I remember like they they used to say that Fit Finley used to train the other ladies, but it's just like yo, who's training you guys? I heard Kidman is training them, and I'm like yo, is Kidman training them or checking their oil? Like what the fuck is going on down there? But that's the difference between the knockouts and the divas is because the knockouts, they're used to hitting the indies and, yep. you know, cutting their teeth down there and doing all that. This is flipping through freaking fitness magazine and, and, and Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition going, her, yep. we need her in the ring. No. Yep. They got lucky with Flair's daughter, you know, that she was like an athlete, a pro volleyball player. You know, like they like they got an athletic chick in there, and then it was just a matter of training her. And and, and you know, she she probably watched her old man her old man a lot, and she picked up her thing or two. But you can see the difference between women that come from like legit athletic backgrounds or come in from the independence versus you know the manufactured Barbie doll factory that they got running the roster now. These are divas. They're not wrestlers. Right. So, the main event, it was Cena and Orton for the 55,000th time. And, um, you know, Rollins and Kane were getting ready to set up the uh, the almighty curb stomp on the bricks. But instead of bricks, they got Dean Ambrose. And Dean Ambrose proceeded to just be a complete fucking maniac. And um, that pretty much ended the show. Uh, Overall, a decent Raw, especially for a post-pay-per-view edition... Um, they didn't really do anything in regards to setting up anything for Hell in the Cell whatsoever. Um, I thought we were going to see something about Sting. The only thing that they did was tease the uh, WWE 2K15 roster reveal. And, um, you know, nothing with the NXT guys again. So it was just very academic and really just a lot of uh, rehash from the night before. No real angle advancement. Yeah, I think... Besides the main event at uh, Night of Champions, uh, Creative, I think they switched the, the 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 scripts for each night. Monday Night Raw was supposed to be Night of Champions and vice versa. Right. Because it, that that was the feel that I had. No, it was it was craziness. I mean, you know, um, the Raw was good, but nothing happened. And like I said, it's like, all right, 
you got, what, five weeks till Hell in the Cell. I almost feel that Hell in the Cell, a Hell in the Cell match between Rollins and Ambrose would be fucking worth watching. Yeah, we, it's it's coming down, but I'm just hoping that, like, uh, because everybody tends to believe that, oh, well, you know, the, the, the product is going down. It's like, you know, give it a chance. Give, just give it a chance. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going down. I just feel that creative is stifled because Vince is constantly changing the scripts. Like I have a well, feeling. I have a feeling Raw is ready to go Sunday night and Monday at three o'clock. Vince is like, nope, 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 nope. Like Triple H is like, yeah, we're straight, and Vince is like, nope, 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 and they got to rewrite it in three hours. That's what yeah, I, but you know, just what in 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 his old his old his old model in which he still likes to preach to everyone. The right. fans are always right, and we have to give them what they want. Right. Oh, that's 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 it, it's craziness. I will say this: I didn't get to see all of Impact, but holy shit, that MVP low key match was legit. Yeah, I, I that is that is like you know for those who haven't seen they were giving more of the glimpse of the strong style yep. and you know it's good to see that the change that mvp made from his wwe days absolutely he went to, you know japan and he was able to, to 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 mesh with them there and bring it back here you know and a lot of guys can't do that and nope. it's, it's special to see two guys like that do it in tna Oh, they they were they were nasty. It was funny because um, you know I follow MVP's Facebook page, and he put up a page. I mean, he put up a video when he was in Japan, and it was funny because in Japan he called himself the Black Godzilla. And Shelton Ben, <laughs> but you're, here's what here's what's gonna make you really laugh. Shelton Benjamin at one point was his tag team partner, and it was the Black Godzilla and Brodan. Oh no! Oh yes. <laughs> Shelton Benjamin was Brodan, and uh, MVP was Black Godzilla. That's why you hear the Godzilla roar in his entrance music. Yo, oh uh, my goodness! But, but those fucking guys in Japan, Jay, holy shit! <laughs> Strong yeah, they, style thugs, they, dude. I, I would watch videos of it here and there, and like they, they ate the audience, the fans loved them. They, they, they ate it up, and it's so good to see them come back. See, that's the only thing that that troubles me about what. WWE is gonna do with the guys like the Devitts, the 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 Steens, the the Kent. Like I'm waiting to see if they'll just let them rip because you know there's guys that's in the in the roster going. Listen, I don't know if I could take that strong style shit. Yep. Brian was cool. Punk was okay, but I don't know about these motherfuckers. Yep. Like <laughs> like dude, MVP when he hits that when he hits that Yakuza kick, dude, he puts fucking oomph behind it. It's like yo, that hurt. Oh, when he opened himself up and Loki was hitting him with the chest chops and he finished him off with the uppercut and then the close, I was like, yeah, see, that's that's what, 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 you know, America needs to start getting ready for. Yep. We need to see more of that, more, more hard hitting dudes. I mean, you know, Prince Devitt, when he was with the, when he was running Bullet Club, those guys, holy shit, all those guys just dropping dudes on their head like nobody's business. Yeah, I, 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 I'm hoping that, that they don't really, because I know a lot of guys can't take it, but I hope they're just able to just give the splash and something to show that, you know, just give one spot. 
Just well, one. Well, they gave Kenta the foot stomp on NXT, which was kind of legit. Oh, okay. Now, because I had other people who were sitting there talking about, well, what's so great about this guy? And I said, give it a minute. Yep. Just give it a minute. Give it a minute is right. So I just wanna I just wanna go through the um the wrestling news real quick. Um first first bit of news, incredibly tragic. Uh Paul Bearer's eldest son passed away. He was thirty four. Yeah, that was sad to hear. That was weird. That was you know, thirty four years old, passed away in his sleep. Um you know, people that saw him at, at a couple of shows and stuff, they said that he was in good spirits, he was fine. But yo, it was crazy, you know, dude dude passed away in his sleep, thirty four years old, um, Definitely our condolences to their family. It was it was crazy. It was super unexpected. Yeah, it, it, when I read that, I was like, wow, there's, there's, too, there's a lot of irony that goes along with that. That's just, just, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I feel I feel bad, you know, for, for, the, for their mother. And, you know, now the, the youngest brother, he's like, yo, I don't got my dad and I don't got my brother. It's, it's insane. But, um, yeah. you know, definitely some sad stuff. On the while, while we were on the subject of TNA before, it looks like we may be finally getting an announcement on what their future holds. Obviously, no longer with Spike TV. Uh, options right now appear to be the Velocity Network or WGN America. I know WGN America is on is on our cable providers, and I believe they used to air not main event uh, superstars. I think they used yeah. to air. So you know, I I, yeah. I mean, it's a good home for TNA, but I definitely feel they're not going to get the same amount of advertising money they were getting obviously for Spike TV. I hope I'm I'm hoping that it doesn't go the way of ECW at TNN. Oh my god, that was the worst. I will Yeah, I'm just, I'm hoping that at least you know they they give them the support and at least the advertisement. Well, the um they put up a story that they that Josh Matthews was at TNA headquarters, then they took the article down. But um, it looks for all in, it all signs point to Josh Matthews heading to TNA, which I don't think is a bad pickup. I mean, the guy was very knowledgeable. He came right out of the Tough Enough camp. Uh, you know, he was a good interviewer, a good commentator. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with him in TNA, considering how I don't want to say how pressed they are for resources, but just it's it's just very it's a very weird place. And on top of the fact that. All this stuff going on with their television deal, but they're giving us some of the best fucking TV in the game. Every yeah, week, dude, they be I mean, killing you know, it. They'll probably go the way of the they'll do the, the three man commentating with them, which they high hearted they wholeheartedly need because yep. Taz is too hood. Taz dude. is just oh, it's it's go it's he's becoming painful to listen to. Dude, he's like Brooklyn JBL. <laughs> yo, for real. Yo, man, you see him hit it, get a hit him again in the yam bag? Like, oh, come on, dude. Enough national, is enough. And national television, we got it. We got it. You're from New York. We got it. You're hood. You're saying ball sack. We get it. You're yep. saying ball sack. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. I, I wanted to close out with uh, this story, and this is a big pickup for WWE. They hired um, Canadian broadcaster Arda Ocal, who used to do shows for The Score. Um, alongside the incredibly talented Renee Young. So now Arda Ocal, uh, he's changed his name to Kyle Edwards, joins the WWE family. So it looks like they're really poaching a lot of the talent from the score. And, you know, Renee, Renee Young was a big pickup, man. I think I think her presence with regards to just her, her pre-show presence, her interviewing, even her NXT commentaries on point. I think, I think we got ourselves... Uh, a female JR, ladies and gents, or a female Joey Styles. She knows how to how to do it on the commentary table. 
Um, Arda Ocal is, is no slouch either. He's very knowledgeable on the product, um, definitely knows his way around the squared circle, knows his way around just the business in general. It's going to be interesting to see what WWE does with him. Yeah, Renee... Renee is very, she's very, when it comes to her interviews, she she always reminds me of a female uh, Mean Gene Oakland. Yep. And commentary. You could tell she was a fan. Yep. And you could Season. tell, like, she's loving what she's doing. Like, this, like her dream job just came upon her lap. Absolutely. And I'm hoping that the, 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 the new acquisition could feel, will feel the same way about it. Yeah, I think I think that, that I, a, a booth with um, Renee Young... I'd like to see a booth with Renee Young, Joey Styles, and and even and Mike Tenay would be an awesome booth. Or Renee Young, Jim Ross, and Paul Heyman. So oh, that's that's just a dream setup right there. That's just a, yeah. You man. just you just call you just call out like the the the, uh, the the modern day Mount Rushmore for the commentary. Seriously, dude, it would be legit. But um. Yeah, you know, it's a good pickup for WWE, and um, that actually is going to wrap up the wrestling news. I did just want to touch on, uh, you attended the uh, latest House of Glory event. Those guys um, at the Hog Wrestling Academy are killing it. Uh, Their heavyweight champion, Ricochet, I heard, is performing for Lucha Underground as well, which is airing on the El Rey Network. Also, um, he will be defending his belt, and he will be facing low-key at the upcoming event November 1st. So what do you think of their last event, and um, where do you see Hog going as a promotion? Uh, right up, right upcoming soon. You'll be seeing it sometime this week. I'm almost complete with it. Uh, I'm going to say, listen, I was there in the beginning. I was there when it was 35 people in that, in that, in that room That's watching right. them go at it. It was dimly lit. You know, the, you know they had a... They had a couple of, uh, of wrestlers in there. Fast forward two years later, over 250 people in, standing room only. And it's like the maturity of watching someone just grow up. It's amazing. From, you know, the, the trainers themselves from Red and, and Brian XL who are doing it, it, it. It's crazy. It's surprising to see it. And then the draw that they're getting is just if you guys want to take it out, you know, if you have a Facebook page, go to that. Their, their, their Facebook page, they always putting up tons of content up there. Yep. House of Glory, uh, it's 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 it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be something November first, and I'm I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I think um, you know I like that they're doing a lot of angle advancement, good storytelling, um, the Ariella Nicks heel turn, uh, very well done. Um, I did, I, you know, I I like the storytelling. I also like the 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 Vig Next they're putting up. I like the the video promos that they're putting up for the students and their matches, trying to get people hyped. And what's good is it's allowing the it's allowing the students to showcase a new dimension in regards to their talents. I mean, it almost has the feel of what they're doing in NXT. You know, you're getting you're you're working in front of a crowd, you're learning how to cut promos, you're learning how to record video, and it's really coming together quite nicely plus they're creating their own household names you know guys like smiley who, who you know an awesome performer i know he your little girl loves him uh guy is legit uh anthony gangone is legit uh you know it's, they're creating good factions great storytelling I, you know i'm looking forward to it you know robbie e was there and and you know i saw i saw some of the video clips you put up he looked like yeah he was having a blast out there yeah that's um 
the the one thing I could really really be 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 proud to say about them is that for the majority of their students, like by this time, they're not even students to them. Although they're still learning each day, right. now they're at their talent. And you know, from guys like Panda Man, who I who I was watching like two years ago coming out, you know, the Andy Lee Rays, uh, yep. you know, like the Gangonis, uh, the, the Alex Masons, the good Hank Flanders. These guys were, you know, sometimes used as spots here and there, and now they're getting their time. That's a true testament to the nurturing from their their, their teachers, their instructors, which is I'm so I, I'm I'm cool I'm, I'm cool to say that that they're coming up. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm happy to watch their development. I'm happy to see them have come uh, so far, and you know they're they're definitely tightening it up. Production is getting better, and like I said, just really great, uh, bona fide stories. Um, great, you know, great tag team division, great singles division. Um, you know, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to see their progression, and I'm glad that you know you're you're covering it for us and sharing that vision with our audience. Yeah. Uh, well, once again, we. November first, they're um they're having the big the big night with uh, Loki, uh with uh going against going against um the champ over there and tons of surprises they're planning and they're also gonna change the venue. So it's looking as though that the audience might become bigger. Nice. So once they once they start posting up uh where they what they're gonna do and and and, and what's gonna line up gonna be, I for sure gonna share it on my pages. That's right. We will also share it, of course, on MyTakeRadio.com and, well, on MyTakeRadio on our on-air broadcasts, and we'll, of course, share it on RageWorks as well. Anything else you want to add, my friend? Yeah, we didn't speak about it, but if you guys get the chance to see it, if you guys didn't watch Main Event for nine ninety nine, <laughs> uh, the ending interview at Miz TV with Miz and uh, Dean Ambrose... Yeah, I gotta watch it. ...is epic. Is epic. I'm not gonna. I mean, you just gotta watch it for yourself. Yeah, I'm gonna watch I'm it and then I'll this share. Guy Ambrose is just, it's, it's just pure gold when he's on the, when he's on the screen. Awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out after we wrap up for sure, and then I'll share it on the fan page as well. As always, you can follow Jay on Twitter at jsantypsw, and of course, you can find all his work on RageWorks.net, and of course, you can always catch him here on MyTakeRadio.com when he adds to our wrestling segment. Anything else, my friend? Guys, be safe, be fruitful, and be merry. There you go. All right, dude. <laughs> That's it for me. I'll catch you later, bro. Peace. Peace. All right, guys. That was our very own Jay Santi, as always, lending his uh, contributions to My Take Radio's wrestling segment. Went a little longer than 90 minutes. It's all good, though. We had a lot to discuss, but... With that, uh, this week's episode will be coming to a close. But rest assured, My Take Radio will be back. Um, I'm not even going to say tomorrow night because it's already Thursday. But uh, My Take Radio's next episode will be Thursday, September 25th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. As always, you can find show archives on MyTakeRadio.com, RageWorks.net. And if you want to keep up with... All the happenings of the My Take Radio crew, obviously follow RageWorks.net if you want to get your fill of all our content, uh, the three R's of wrestling, um, any of our independent commentary from all our guys, Ben's Fighter of the Month, Jay's, um, you know, Jay's wrestling commentary as well. All of that will be happening on RageWorks.net. Of course, 
be on the lookout for the season premiere of The Buried Show Season 2 coming your way sooner rather than later. And of course, if you want to keep up with us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at MyTakeRadio or at Rage underscore Works. With regards to Facebook, My Take Radio is on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash My Take Radio. And Rageworks is uh, facebook.com forward slash official Rageworks. And of course, My Take Radio is on YouTube, uh, Pinterest, and Google Plus as well. So is Rageworks. And you can find us on those outlets. As always, the best My Take Radio experience is via the My Take Radio app, which is $1.99. You get 96K stereo episodes of the show, mobile wallpapers, and exclusive content as well. My Take Radio returns on uh, September 25th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Also be on the lookout for our latest My Take Radio Beyond the Mic interview with Mike Kingston from Headlocked. We're going to be talking about Headlocked's brand new Kickstarter campaign for Headlocked Volume Two. On behalf of myself, Slick, Jay, Quark, Blade, Josh, and of course Ben and the rest of the MTR family, I will catch you guys later on at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Peace. I'm out of here. I think this week um, we're going to probably go out with uh, some OC Remix. I believe maybe next week we're going to start cutting off the show cold and then we'll be adding whatever tracks we decide to go with in post-production just because it's easier to choose a track. But I think uh, we're going to go out with uh, Super Street Fighter 4's Time to Oil Up by Pixie Tricks and Ver- and Zircon, available at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We're out of here. <laughs>